everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Badass Records Podcast. And this is the Central Scrutinizer. Just kidding. Blair Johnson here. Wanting to thank you for stopping by, as always. And remind you that new episodes of the pod drop Thursdays. There's video on YouTube and uh, find audio where you stream. You can follow the pod on Instagram or Twitter, badassrecordspodcast at gmail.com. If you want to hit me up to do an in-person episode um, here in Kansas City where we would talk about some of your favorite music and a little bit about your story. That's all I got for you today. Thanks for stopping by. Hope you enjoy the show. This will be episode 81 of Badass Records okay. Podcast, um, and I'm hanging with uh, Jeffrey Calkins. Yep. It, have, it has an S on the end, correct? Yes. Uh, sure. A.K.A. Aztec Jeff. That is correct. <laughs> and uh, for the second time, uh, I am remote. We're sitting at the Aztec Theater yep. in Aztec, Shawnee. Aztec Shawnee Aztec Theater. Aztec Shawnee Theater. Yep. Yeah. Um, and uh, you have uh, not only a very nice space, uh, but a, a very lovely uh, AC unit, which uh, we all, <laughs> I think, uh, <laughs> need and give thanks for today oh, yeah. on a day like today. Yeah. Um, it's really weird um, to me. Think like I, I, I currently live in my 24th home. Um, wow. and, uh, so like I have a access to a decent archive of memories. I mean, it gets a little fuzzy as the, you know, uh, yeah. the hair gets grayer or, right. or falls out more in my <laughs> case. Um, but I really, I just, I remember, uh, summer being hot and winter being really cold mm -hmm. and, uh, being really cold for a good while. And there being lots of snow and I mean, coincidence or not you know if you're a subscriber to the notion of global warming yeah um i don't i mean it was really mild last couple summers yeah it, with just a couple pockets right this is obviously a pocket but this i mean when it's like this for multiple day especially if it goes into the night it's like it is the world feels like it's on fire i yes. mean this is insane yeah it is nothing like in your in your memory from a child is that what you're getting yeah, yeah. like yeah, i right. would be we'd be outside way. You know, yeah. Gen X kids outside until the lights are on and coming for dinner, blah, blah, blah. Um, and just constantly playing, building right. forts, playing soccer, bat, whatever, the cave, riding bikes to the pool. Yep. Um, I mean, like sunscreen was a thing, but we didn't, you know, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, I'll get it, you know. Yeah, yeah whatever. Now yeah, there, we had, you know, too many other things to do to stop and yeah. put sunscreen and, on. And, but I don't feel like the heat was this oppressive. No. No, I don't. I don't think it was. So, did you did you grow up around here? Though? So, yeah, I mean, uh, my uh, my folks are 47, 1947 babies. Okay, yeah. Um, and my dad uh, went to Rockhurst, and my mom went to okay. Miege. Uh, yeah. They met and and married, and then uh, he took a job uh, in Columbia, South Carolina, working for um, uh, a firm that published yearbooks. So they went. Oh, yeah. They went there as whatever. Like a Justin's kind of place. Yeah, yeah, they went there as kind of uh, newlyweds, and I was born there. And I think oh. 
my, I think that my mom was homesick. And so they came back and, uh, I was in KC. So from like three to six or seven and then in Georgia for three years and uh-huh. then back to KC and then in, in and out of whatever, uh, uh, you know, went to Shawnee Mission East, um, okay. and then, uh, P- Pittsburgh state for a year. Uh, and then boogied out to Colorado for like seven years and did school out there and played and had fun and, and then nice. back to the KC area in like 2000. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, I mean that where I'm drawing from memory wise is, is right, here. right around here. Yeah. yeah. Well, if that was in your formative years, yeah. that's, that's usually what, yeah. where our memories are. Yeah, I mean, that's, but, it's whatever, you know, especially so, so my childhood growing up, um, not nearly as spread out. Okay. Because currently I live in Western Shawnee, uh-huh. you know, five miles from here. Yeah. Uh, my childhood home is less than a mile from here. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, our family business, my grandfather started just up the street, started in 1946. And a weird story about that. Our building always had a thing on it said established 1957. I just figured that's when it was. My grandfather was a contractor, electrical contractor. Okay. Started electrical supply business. Um, what I assume 1957. Right. I thought that forever. Uh huh. And uh, in um, I'm trying to remember what year it was, the Shawnee Chamber had their 75th anniversary, 2021. Okay. So they had their their 75th anniversary, and they're going around, and they they had given plaques out. They gave us a plaque for being in the chamber for a long period of time, and I thought, man, those, those numbers don't add up. But I'm right. not going to question them. But they had a big 75th anniversary celebration, and. I knew we'd been members of the chamber for a long time. And um, so they were such a big, it's such a big milestone for them. They were doing some videos and doing all this. Sure. And they'd be at their big gala at the end of the year. So they asked me to come out and uh, film something for the family business. Because uh, my sister and I and, and um, my son are, are still involved in it or, or were at that time. Um, and uh, yeah, that's great. Um, we had just signed up for the chamber with the, the theater. Okay. Um, literally within two weeks of them filming this cause they were filming it in, um, 2020. So it to come out in 2021 and, uh, so went out and I'm talking to them. They're talking to me about, you know, Calkins electric supply and you know, how long they've been around and all this. I'm wearing my Aztec stuff. Nice. Um, and, uh, and I said, well, I told the guy, I said, well, I know we weren't there from day one because we were established in 57. The, the uh, chamber historian, Mary, was sitting right there. She goes, no, no, your grandfather was on the books from day one. And I go, really? She goes, oh, yeah, we have a record of it from 1946. Huh. Well, news to me. Had no idea. Right. Um, because I knew like Gene Amos and um, Donovan's down here, the auto shop and all that. There's a lot of long time. And I think. Um, Gene Amos, I think that the senior was the one that started the chamber, but my grandfather was in the chamber from, from the, the start. Learned something new every day. I yeah. actually called my dad later. Nice. I call him and I go, all right, what's the deal with the 1957? Yeah, well, I go, was it 46? He goes, oh yeah. He goes, your grandfather, he goes, he just put a number on it. Uh, it was probably when he incorporated, uh, you know, there you go. There and I'm go. like, okay. It just seemed really weird to me that yeah. all this time, this family business and everything, now you've been around, well, 11 years longer than you think. But when you're 10 or 11 years old, 
You know, think, I think back of when we started the theater here, and it's hard for me to believe that we've been here almost three years. Wow. And that we've actually owned the space for six. Okay. Because it you know, took us a few years to get it going. Right. But, or to right. get it restored. Um, so speaking of, I mean, so we're on the stage. Yeah. Uh, which is uh, super cool of yeah. the Aztec Shawnee Theater. And, and, I, and I do appreciate you coming and doing oh, yeah. remote. I know it's not your normal forte, hey. but any time that I can have somebody in this space, well, I love it. I, so. uh, wise, uh, foolish, or otherwise, <laughs> I am, uh, I'm actually going to, in October, I'm going to fly out to New York and uh, Uber to a dude's tattoo shop. And, and do one there? And, and then uber right back to the airport and get on a plane and come home i mean it, it's just that in and of itself yeah is a fantastic experience <laughs> it just is i mean he it should i you know uh well so like i need the practice and and yeah. um it's uh opened up a new um lane in my brain of of possibility possibilities sure. otherwise it was uh, all local 100 percent depends well i mean 100 percent of it depended on a person saying yes and then coming to my house yes i wasn't thinking i just knew i've known since day one i don't want to do remote i just think that you lose something with the screen and it's glitchy and i do enough of it in my regular job regular life uh but anyway what uh what is the physical address of the theater here uh one 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 nine johnson drive one one nine johnson drive and uh uh the website uh, AztecShawnee.com. You, you can actually, we actually own the other domain name, which is Aztec Shawnee Theater, which is our branded name. So we'd actually own AztecShawneeTheater.com. It'll route right back okay. to the other. Okay. But Aztec Shawnee was the very first one we got, and it, it routes it right in there, and it's a little shorter. So you've been alive and breathing as an operation for three years, but started it six years ago? Yes. Yeah, okay. We, we bought the, uh, we purchased the building in 2017. Okay. And in the, in the idea to restore it, um, start showing movies. Um, that was the, the main goal. Our whole business plan revolved around reopening it as a vintage movie house. Cool. Yeah. So and that was, are there photos of what the place mm-hmm. looked like floating around somewhere? Yes, okay, yes. cool. Matter of fact, there's a lot of outdoor photos. There's very few indoor. Do you have access to any? Uh-huh. I'd love to throw yeah. one on if we could yeah. for when we're ready to put yeah. this up. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Can, yeah, I'll get you some of right those. Right on. Yeah. So, um, uh, and I mentioned Donovan's, um, Pat Donovan, that still runs down here at uh, Donovan's Service. His sister, um, I'm going to blank on her name. I think it's Kathleen. She brought me pictures because she worked here. There's so many people in Shawnee that worked here when wow. they were growing up. That's cool. I mean, really weird when um has anybody ever that used to come into the old one river walked in and go i don't, know, I don't like what you did with the place nope everybody's like whoa yeah I bet. which i bet trust me that was a, a concern but the thing was just from the, n- nostalgia nostalgia okay. so you you know you want to do it right this is very much a community project uh, multiple people had tried to open it before oh wow they did a huge huge um the city did a huge study uh back in the early 2000s um as uh, a group called Hyatt Palma, and they, they talked about how to reinvigorate this downtown area. And they can't come in and say, uh, put a, a Wendy's over there <laughs> and uh, put a Walmart over there. Right. They can't use anything by name, but they can say, put retail space, do a restaurant over there, and do all this. But it's, it's a 260-some um, page report about what they should do, different programs, different things that they can do. 
Wow, that was somebody's re- job to, that, to that, put they, that they, together. Yeah, put that together. And because that's their forte. This is this company's, that's what they do. They go in and say, okay, this is what makes an, a district work, hmm. um, especially a, a kind of a historic kind of district, right. you know, depending on what you want to do, but this is what would work. But um, the theater by name, um, because it was listed as the Aztec, says, open the Aztec, get it open. It is mentioned. And I, I had a count on it at one time when we went to the council. You to, read that whole document? Yeah. 267? Yeah. Wow. Oh, but it's, it was cool. Okay. I mean, if you think it's something, you're like, well, I, I think we want to do this. Um, when you read a document like that, and it says, you're, and it's very in legalese, you know, you just, That's okay, where so I you would do be all like, this, I don't and it's know kind of going means. along with this, is get that theater open. They knew that with the opening of a historic theater, you can um, kind of build from that. So if you have that, you have a little bit of an entertainment, a pole, a kind of central area, and then other people want to be around it. And as those go around it, more people want to be around right. it. Right. So it's not like you can go into just any little old downtown district and go, okay, do you guys have a theater? Right. No? Okay, well, we can't say open a theater. It doesn't do the same thing. Um, you have to find something that's historic, that's a draw that everybody wants. So that's what they did. They said, you need to open this. So that was our key point because... We ran the numbers to open it. We had the opportunity to buy it in a really odd way. My brother knew the, uh, um, the owner. He had bought it in the early, late 90s, early 2000s to get it open. He put the marquee on it to get it going. Mm. Um, but it, it never came around to it. It mm. just never quite got finished. And there's been a couple of people in the meantime that wanted to do it. But... They were redoing this whole Neiman Road area. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother and I were actually at one of the meetings, one of the early meetings about it. You know how they're talking about, you know, different things they're doing and how this works and why it works and things like that. And the city's wanting to do something to really build this now because now they've got all this money involved in redoing this, the streets and all the infrastructure. And my brother tells me, did you hear that Wade had sold the theater? And I said, yeah, I heard that. He goes, I called him. And he didn't. The guy that bought it said he had bought it, but he really hadn't yet. Mm. And so everybody thought, oh, he bought it. And he's going to do all these things and da, da, da. And so everybody was really hyped about it. And, and um, when we figured out that he, that he really hadn't, then they're like, oh, now. And the city's like, man, here's another time that somebody wanted to do it. And they, they don't think he's going to do it. In the conversation my brother had with, with Wade, he, Wade said, why don't you buy it? <laughs> And so Chris came to me and my brother had been retired from the family business for, um, what would that have been uh, about five years, four years by that time. And, uh, he said, do you, you want to see if we want to buy it? I mean, I'm in, I mean, I, I went here as a kid. Okay. I was pretty young. Seeing, Clo- seeing movies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, seeing movies. Yeah. Um, 1974 it closed down. Oh wow. So I would have been eight years old. At that sure. Time. Um, but I remember movies I saw here, but when you go to a theater, like I, I've been to a, a bunch of different theaters. I don't know what the inside looked like. Right. I was there to see a movie. Yeah. I don't even remember what the inside looked like at all. It just, it got dark and it's you watched just, a movie yeah, and then watched you left. a movie and then, uh, you know, we walked home or rode our bikes home. I like just you saw said. the projector for the first time. Oh yeah. And sitting <laughs> up there. Yeah. 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 Handsome. Yeah. So, um, so that, that's where it started from. Um, went to the city, told them, Hey, we're thinking about buying it. And they're like, okay, well, you know, not like we have any sort of pull with the city, but right. we've been here a long time. Yeah. I mean, we, we've lived here and they know, um, 
with Chris Fam- and I. Family business yeah. means something, right, yeah. to somebody? I don't right. know. And um, so uh, we need to look and see if we can afford to do it and if it's a viable business. Um, if we would have sunk our own money into it, bought the building, and tried to restore it, it would have been a losing proposition. We wouldn't I mean, have been anywhere close. Run out of funds before you oh, yeah. before you the would, open sign Before on. you open it. Or um, we wouldn't, but we would be so cash-strapped that we would never be able to run it. Right, because you, yeah, every time you need to make a purchase for That's right. light bulbs no or operating, whatever, we'd have to, toilet paper, you yeah. need revenue. And it's to, not like you can just go to a bank and say, hey, I have this idea. Yeah. We have never, ever done this before, but we're going to try to do this. Trust me. And it, yeah, just, you just got to trust me yeah. on this one. So um, so when we told them that, we were like, well, I mean, we run the numbers, and it didn't. And then there was the, the talk, well, there may be some money available economic development because of this study oh wow um because they know that if we if we open it it, it's it's going to be helpful to everybody right a guest on recently um he uh, patrick spray he he's uh 50 of center cut records Mm -hmm. um and he was he just threw out uh taylor swift came up and so just talking about the idea of like every person that is out to see that shit for you know, uh oh the money they spend yes 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 and yep. so i mean yeah with a community around. like this you gotta uh, think that some of your patrons are gonna grab a bite before that's or right. a drink on the way home or yep. vice versa and I mean, that's the idea and right. and obviously you know 15 years previously there'd been a study that said hey this is gonna work that really worked in our favor um so with chris and i um, having businesses down here, having a business down here for so long, um, being familiar with a lot of the people, knowing what this is, and it's, and it's important to us. But, you know, if we were multi-millionaires, <laughs> it would have been a no-brainer. You just, just do just it. tax right just off. Just do it, yeah. and, and you just, you know, and we're like, how much money? So <laughs> how uh, many, how many zeros? Yeah, are that's, wow. Is that a lot of, that's a lot of, it looks like seven zeros. Yeah, that's a, but but so the city said, you know, they could help out. But, you know, we have to do a full business plan. We have to sure. decide what we're doing. And we did. We put together full business plan. Um, big help from um, Kansas Small Business Development Council. On, had, on how to, like, do things and yeah, who to go, yeah. wh- where to never, go. Well, I, when I was growing up, I cleaned the offices at the family business. Mm. Um, did that. Um, when I got into high school, as soon as I got my driver's license in the summer, I would be the, a delivery driver there. Mm. Um, when I went to college, I, in the summers, I'd still work there for a, for a couple years and, and, uh, and that was it. And then, um, later on I ended up going back and it wasn't my game plan, but I ended up going back to the family business and, and working there in the early nineties. Um, but. I, you know, that's my whole, you know, I had a couple other jobs like when I was in college and things like that, but yeah, that doesn't uh, look like a resume where the bank would go. How yeah, much? Yeah. How, how much ma- do you need? Yeah. How much you need? Just, just here, just let me go in the back. Just take, yeah, what just you take need. something. Here's the key to the vault. <laughs> um, the hundreds are over there. <laughs> okay. I'll we just want you to start stack. with the ones, but the hundreds but are, the hundreds over there. are there yeah. if you need. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so they, uh, I, I, I'd never delved into that. So it was a, a huge help. So I, that, that whole summer in 2017, that's what I did. 
I wrote a business plan. Just seriously? At what age are you? This is just six. I'm 57. This okay, year, okay. So, All right. So this isn't that long ago. But, right. Um, but uh, post 50. Sure. So you're, you've got an, an astute enough mind and experiences oh, that had, with a little bit of guidance, yeah, you can make well, it look handsome. It was a, it was a lot of guidance. <laughs> well, it whatever. was a lot of guidance. It's, you turned it over to somebody and somebody said, okay. Yes. Yes. So, right. so we had to have that to get funding from the city. Okay. Um, with the funding from the city, it, it, it was a possibility. It was still a stretch. I bet, but, man. Um, if we could get the funding from the city. Right. Um, so to get the funding from the city, we had to have this, we had to have a full business plan. We had already talked to the original owner. We had a, a, a contract to hold it for us. Um, no guarantees just to make sure we could do it. Then the city said, well, we have some funds. Said, See if, uh, he'll extend it. Mm. And they asked, cause my brother was more familiar with him. And they said, well, he, he let you extend it. And he goes, I don't know. He might just say, no, never mind." And he goes, no, they, they were like, no, he wouldn't do anything. He goes, oh, yeah, he would. He would just, he'd pull the plug on it if he needed to. So my brother went back to him, asked him if he would do it, and he said no. Not in your life. Sorry, what are you asking him to extend? We're asking him to extend our contract on the building. The, right. this, this temporary, this just don't sell it to anybody else. Um, we're trying to work a plan. Um, we put some money together that was not guaranteed. He would give it back to us if... Um, if we, uh, um, if we bailed out of it, okay, but okay. this is, well, I can tell you when it was, it was the, it was the end of June, 2017. Okay. Um, mid June is when they had the, the council meeting. They said, go back to him and see if he'll extend it. Cause we obviously we can't do anything in two weeks. We have to have full business plan. So we're thinking, you know, August or September, see if he'll do 90 days, right. three months. Yeah. That sounds reasonable. Yeah. And he said, my no. brother said, I'll to ask him, but you, you never know with him. He, he may just say, no, I'm tired of dealing with it. Now, remember, this is the same guy that tried to open it before, mm. but never really, it never really came to fruition. Okay. Um, so he has a little of, bit of a, an emotional tie. I think so. Okay. And, and part of it was, I truly believe now that the guy that owned it before Wade Williams, movie producer, produced a lot of B movies, um, owns a bunch of theaters. One of the most interesting people to sit down and talk with. I okay. love sitting and talking with Wade. Um, different type of personality. And I think when he was building this, he felt like the codes people and everything were getting in the way of his creative freedom. Huh. It just got in the way, so they kind of butted heads. And so it never really came to fruition. Um, so it's so, a possibility that he was like, if it didn't work for me, so yeah, I, it's not part of me doesn't. And, yeah. I, and, and I'm, just gonna, I'm just gonna make the city suffer. I could see that. He, it's something that he would do. But he also would really like to see it open. Huh. But so my brother goes back to him and I had to wait for the call from my brother and, and he called me. Um, it was June 27th. And I'll tell you in a minute why I know the dates. Yeah. June 27th. And he goes, Wade said, no, it's not going to extend it. Now, you gotta be kidding me. Says, no. He flat out said, nope, we're done. And so my brother said, what do we do? And I said, well, how bad do you want to do it? And he goes, I, I would love to do this. So I, I always considered, my brother did a lot of things for me. Um, 
and I knew it was something he really wanted. More, had, more you know, so than you did? More so than okay. I did. Um, the, you know, when, you, when somebody does some things for you, and you know you never have to repay them, but you feel like, man, if there was ever a time that I could do something for them that they would never expect, that would be fantastic. But that, those things don't come around very often. When you find out some, you know, somebody that did something for you and you can do something for them, do the right thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, all the way down to just the slightest, tiniest gesture. Right. Just to say, I know this isn't exactly but, like repayment to the... But I, but, but I would, yeah, here's something, you know, thanks, you know. So I knew he wanted it. And, um, and he said, well, we're going to have to go back to the city and tell him now. And I go, give me a chance. He goes, what are you going to do? <laughs> what do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to talk to, I'm going to talk to Wade. Oh, shoot. You're going right and, back to the source. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I talked to Wade before. I mean, I'd met him years before. He's like I say, he's one of the most interesting people sure. to speak with. And I love sitting down and talking with him. Um, so, so I talked to him. See, had a really good conversation with him. Um, he, he, you set something up. Like he knew when you were coming and why you were coming. Yeah, no, okay. I, I, I actually just talked to him on the phone. Okay. Oh, I, he knew I was going to call. Okay. <laughs> nice. I, I told my brother, tell him I'm going to call. Right. And it wasn't like a surprise. I'd talked to him before. It wasn't like, sure. now right. I'm going to talk to him. You've talked to him. Now I'm going to, that's not what it was. Right. It was just, it was just that way. I said, don't give up on it yet. Let me see what I can do. So, um, and, and I stopped a minute ago cause I have to like project as I talk through this cause it's kind of emotional. Oh, absolutely. So, so I'm going to go through this. Yeah. So, um, I talked to Wade and we talked on the phone, hot day. I sat in my car because oh. I was working, but I didn't want to be in the office. I wanted to be outside the office and I was talking to him. This was the 29th, 2017. On the 29th. Two days. Okay. Gotcha. Two days later when I finally got a phone call. And the meeting was the 17th and then the 27th. Yeah. And then we, we needed to know something before the end of June. (laughs) If you know, because that's when it, that's when it was over. It was like the end of June or the first of July. I can't, I think it was actually like July 1st or something was when the contract ended. Um, and I talked to him and we, we talked for a good hour on the phone. Just, I was just talking with him about different things. But in the conversation, I, I talked about what we wanted to do because I felt like it's what he wanted to do with it and just couldn't do it. Previously. Previously. Yeah. Just kept talking, just kept talking, um, doing different things. And, you know, and he said, you know, I told your brother, no. I said, I know, but you haven't told me. <laughs> and I'll make you a deal. So I made a deal with Wade. Okay. And I will never release what that deal was. Uh, oh, it, it, it's, it's, it's private info? Yeah. Okay, okay. There's two people that know. You and Wade? Yeah. <laughs> and if it gives you any indication. That's... And unfortunately, Wade passed away last year. Oh, shoot. Wow, that's just, just got will... really gangster all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I made that no. Right. No, I was so upset when I found that out. Oh my because, gosh! Because he 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 was. I after after we did end up getting the theater, um, I sat down with him two or three times, and they weren't. They were supposed to be about 
progression and different things that he was trying and things that he wanted and all this. And it just turned into this conversation about his life and all these different things that he did. And because he's just an interesting guy. Okay. Um, and, and I loved it. But I convinced him and made him a deal. And he said, I said, I need 90 days. And he gave it to us. Wow. So you didn't even tell your brother? No. Wow. Okay. But the reason I know the dates. You can edit this part. Oh, man. It was my brother's birthday. Okay. So I got to call him on his birthday and tell him we get the theater. Okay. So, or at least we can go forward with the we theater. Have, we have we, some time. We have some time. Yeah. So, so we have valuable, nice valuable which, resource yes, time. Yes. And we know by the way the first progression worked that we're trying to get you know, in with the city council, talk to them for the meetings and, and all this. And, well, we only have meetings these times. And so it, it kind of kept getting pushed. So... All of a sudden, you're 90 Well, we're here 60. now, so I think we're okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told them we had 60. Okay. Even though I knew we had 90. Because we needed it to happen, and we knew it would come right down to the, the wire. Right. So, sat down. We got it. We got the, the contract renewed to, to try to go through with it. Um, did the numbers. I ran the, the, did the whole business plan. Um, had very good help with that. Um, we were shooting for August. The the council meeting that was at the end of August to get approval on it, it got pushed back. And this you know, is to get approval on your business plan. The, on the business plan to get funding from the city, okay. because we already had backing. If we got the funding from the city, we had a bank behind us, um, because that was it would have been a big chunk of money. Man, so important parts. Yes, kind of and they have to all align. Jeez. And they said, well, you know, we're getting down to that sixty. See if you see if you can, you know, what what. What do you think you can do? You think you can get a few more? And I go, do you remember what happened the first time we did this? And he said, no. They're like, well, yeah, but, you know, da, da, da. So, so we're pushing. And I know we still have another 30 days. Um, That's great to have in your back pocket. It, it was. And then they were talking about it. says, okay, well, we're going to do this and that and everything. And I have to send them over the contract. I have to send them over a copy of the contract. And, of course, it has the date on it. Mm. It's like October 2nd. <laughs> And here we are at the end of, <laughs> and they're like, see I thought here. you said 60 days. Please I go, disperse. I go, what do you think I did? Pay no attention I to said that we man behind the curtain. about 60 days. <laughs> you didn't say about, right. but they were all very, they, yeah. they, everybody knew. Everybody, you know, they knew. Okay, we get it. We get it. You know. So the end of September, we got the approval. Wow. Um, it was on a Tuesday. Okay. The closing was on the next Monday. That was when the contract ran out. We would have lost it. Man. Yeah. It was that close. Um, but it, it was just, it was, the timing was just right. We, got, we had a little bit of a buffer, luckily. Worked out good. Um, very happy the city, you know, gave us funding on it. And it, even when the, the night that I, I presented at the council, the, the, I think that was the second time I presented um, because they wanted to adjourn and go back and oh, think about it. Sweating bullets over here. Yeah. Thinking about Oh, that. you should have seen me up there. Right, and, right. And the, the funny thing was, um, and it was, I, w I was not into politics. 
I, I didn't know about the city council. I knew how it kind of ran. My brother kind of went to the, some of the meetings periodically, and he told me how they vote. And, you know, when we knew we needed, you know, a majority vote. And in this case, we actually needed a two-thirds because we'd already been there once and all these things. So we're counting. We're, okay, who do we have? Who do we, you know, who's really for us? Who is kind of on the – so I still got to sell it. I got to show them what's going on. Um, so, I mean, they still could have said no. Because if we wouldn't have got the funding, we wouldn't have got the bank funding, we would have lost it. And there was no time to revamp it. So so I'm up there talking about it and doing all this. And then they go to the vote. And I'm expecting them to go down the line. Say the person's name. They say yay or nay. Then they go down the next and they do all this. And Mayor Disler was running the meeting, as she usually does. She's talking about it. I'm up there. You know, I'm ready for all this thing and she does this motion thing and i'm thinking she's moving okay we we're gonna move forward with this and i'm ready for them to just go down the row and start voting and all of a sudden she looks over at me and she says and she lips to me congratulations i missed it they all voted in one shot mm. they just said yay or nay and they knew from that that we had it and i was just what's going on i was just and she looks over and she says congratulations and I'm like, oh, and everybody's <laughs> cheering, but I missed it. <laughs> I told her that later. I go, wow. I thought it was one of the, no, no. It's a, so it was, it was very um, surreal. Wow. Um, had people come up to me, had a, uh, um, a gentleman come up to me that night. Um, engineer, he was a retired engineer, said, hey, I want to help you with all your, your drawings. Free of charge. Get out of here. Oh, yeah. The same night? As the same meeting? night. Wow. The night of it. As soon as it was, he was, he was there, and it was, it was a packed house. Um, he said, uh, I want to help you with that. I want to take care of you. And, and, and Bob Curry is the engineer. He'd retired, and, and uh, um, he wanted to do it, and he did. He did. He did. He did all of our MEP stuff. And, and whoever he had to turn him into, they were yeah. like, oh, yeah, this all checks yeah. out. It's legit. Yeah, which cool. saved us a considerable amount. I mean, and we had a lot of changeovers. I mean, we had different things we wanted to do, and that didn't work. And it, I mean, I don't think we really touched much of anything in here for six or eight months just to get after everything going. You get, after you got we got it, okay. yeah. Actually, I think it was about eight months. Sure. Um, because we had to get everything planned out right. Yeah. So, um but it, it did. It worked out very well. Um, the uh, the thing that really changed it for us, we right before we did the um, um, that we did everything, we brought in a third partner, our friend mm. Bruce Young. Um, we brought him oh, in. Oh, third meaning you, your brother, and, and Bruce. Bruce. Okay. Yes. So, and that was fairly early on. Um, another, you know, he's been a um, had a Shawnee business for many many years so there again another tie-in and with it being three of us we had a, a little stronger hold on it and um so that helped out too and um his idea after we we started up was that maybe we could because he had a tie-in for you know the local concerts that maybe we could do some concerts too so now i have to and i remember doing this thinking well if we do like a friday concert that wipes out one of our big movie days because you have a concert that night, they've got to set up and do all this, all of our prime revenue. Showtime, yeah. So maybe once a month. So I, I had to rework the business plan a little bit to try to work God, that in. After you worked so hard. Yeah, but which is fine. I <laughs> right. thought this is kind of cool and try to do that. And so we finally got everything going. 
Um, construction really started, really started ramping up um, tw late 2018, first part of 2019. Um, were there any large pieces of equipment here or was it just dudes with tools or people with tools? Okay. I mean, scissor lists to clean everything out. Um, there's YouTube videos. Um, DHTV used to be just right down the street. They moved, but, um, Mark Horner and, and uh, um, his crew, they did some videos for us free cool. of charge. Very cool. Um, okay. They'd come in here every once in a while and video and do this. They put together these really high end professional video recordings. Um, which are on YouTube, by nice. the way. We have a YouTube channel, which only has like four videos. Um, <laughs> but they did those. Um, and uh, of the demolition and as cool. the progression and all that stuff. And, of course, I we took pictures constantly. Right. Um, but um, we had, in February of 2020, we were, we were due to open in June of 2020. Okay. Um, February of 2020, we, um, I had two possible events things coming in so we're still gearing for um movies mostly doing some concerts and doing private events and i had a group come to me um, that wanted to do a class reunion in july so we're like six months out five to six months out so we're growing. and we're still pretty rough in here i mean with sheetrock yeah. still had a lot of stuff to do no seats anything else and they're like man you're gonna be ready i'm like if you had seen what would happen what happened in the last three months you'd know that we'd be done in six because almost the majority, the big major work was all done in that three or four month period. Wow. Um, so I knew we were fine. Had another possibility of a national comedian that was touring and going to breweries. Mm. Um, and uh, Jason from Transport Brewery had contacted me and said, hey, this guy's traveling around, he goes to breweries, but we don't have enough space for him. Maybe we can do something together cool. where we could have it there and then he could perform there go. here. There's that community. And I'm like, oh, I'm in stuff. I'm in. Yeah. So, um, we're going to do that. So of all things, they run two consecutive nights in July. The first two possible events we'd have in here were a Friday and a Saturday back night in to July. back, back to back. Wow. I'm like, whatever, go time. We're going to do this. We're just, we're going to have to do it. It'll and all a, be easy after this. Yeah, sure. <laughs> we just throw ourselves head first into it. Um, but, and of course, within one month, everything slowed down. Everything, we could, you know, we could only have like two people in here at a time. Mm. Um, it really slowed down. There was no way we were getting open. Well, then again, of course, the traveling comedian wasn't touring anymore. Mm. He couldn't do that. The, they can't have a class reunion. So that got canceled, which, you know, what are you going to do? That's not their fault. Right. So, um, and you just hope, hey, when everything comes back open, we'll be fine. So that that happened and then as soon as COVID really got deep and and uh, down and dirty uh, movie theaters started going bankrupt and closing and going bankrupt and we're like yeah, uh-oh um is this really viable anymore what are we gonna you know we're 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 head first into this we're already big money into this right um and here we go to the business plan again let's oh change this let's uh let's start with the concerts Let's get some sound equipment in here. Let's put off getting the screen, the projector. Let's let's put that money into a soundboard, amplifier, speaker, something. Let's let's start there, and change a little bit of the uh, of the interior. Not a lot, but change it a little bit, and uh, um, open in December of 2020. Wow! So um, we had a, a fundraiser gala. 
on I think the December eighth, and then a concert on the thirteenth. Okay. Nick Schneblin came in here and played. Okay. On the thirteenth, our very first concert. Now I can't. I, I mean, uh, I'm this whole time I've been you know looking out at all these seats like uh-huh. uh, for concerts. Um, I mean, do yeah. most of your folks sit or? Yes. They do, uh, okay. Which is also an interesting story too. But, okay, but um, so, um, so we got set up basically to do concerts. Bruce was our good connection to. Um, he knew Frank from Knuckleheads. Okay, um, Frank was very instrumental in, in, in us getting our our soundboard. You know, said, "Hey, this is what you need. This is what you." you oh you man, do. That's, that's exactly where I went. Was yeah. how did you know what to buy? Yeah. Well, you pivot, so, pivot that third or whatever time on the business plan, and now you need different gear. Yeah, now we like, need different gear. Hope now I we buy the right out. stuff. And I had done so much research on projectors Gosh. and and screens and all this stuff, and you know we were getting down to the end of it. It's like, man, we're you know where are we going to get the rest of this money? Because <laughs> and of course, then the price of everything was going up, and yep. we're we're trying to get it. Now we were very lucky. We were way through. Um, construction before construction costs really went up because okay. that was during COVID. Had we waited two years, we would have been in trouble. Yeah. Because the, you know, construction costs went through the roof, but you know, I count ourselves lucky. And, um, you know, when I tell people when we open, they're like, Oh man, you opened in COVID. That, that had been horrible. Yes. It wasn't the best, but, um, it, we took it as a little bit of a blessing. Um, we had to, when we first started doing the concerts, we had that one in December, we had a couple of them in January and most of it revolved around like the, the, the blues guys that were just local okay. blues guys. Yeah. And you know, this guy's in a band, but he's also in this other band. So, Hey, let's get this. And my brother, same thing. You know, he was, this was his business to run. And, um, cause you know, you're been, still doing, yeah, doing the electric, electrical supply. Yeah, okay. Um, and so basically what it became was the very first year he was, he was really running this, but it was the six of us. It was Chris and his wife, my sister-in-law, Tammy, Bruce and, and his wife, Alvina, and me and my wife, Tara. Nice. There's, there's our six employees. First year. Now, do you was, say you consider yourselves lucky because that you got to sort of ease into that it? That is instead correct. Of just instead of just all of a sudden, because we were we were so fearful, you know, as much as everybody wants to open and just be packed. You don't want to oh, do we, it wrong. We, we don't want to do it wrong. You don't want to look bad. So it just sort of, you didn't have a, a big audience, but you had enough to, to pay the bills. Hey, and sometimes. I know. That's all you need. That's all you really need. And, it, you know, it was... It, it wasn't paying the bills right away. Of course. But we were doing all the carrying costs. The, the three of us were doing the carrying costs through that. So once we had revenue coming in um, and we weren't having to output, see, to us, at least to me, I felt like I didn't have that outgo of money. And now it was kind of covering itself. Um, God, that had to just, like, be such the load. It was. Off. Yeah. You know. and, and Your brain, me. like, all of a sudden has new areas for bandwidth. Oh, yeah. You're like, I can think about other things now. Yeah, I know. Instead of just Because it was. And that, the even like that first year in 2017, that whole summer, um, I was, I can't think of anything else I did but just work on that and make sure that we could do what we could to get it. That business plan? Yes. Yeah. Um, the business plan and all that. And I, I so badly wanted to be creative and design all this other stuff for it and the interior and doing all this stuff. So the way my mind works is I have to use that as a, a reward. 
I have to do my work. And when I get my stuff I have to get done, I reward myself with being able to be creative and do the creative part of it. So I'd, I'd work on it for two or three days, and then i have give myself a little bit of time to do some of the creative stuff. Mm. Like, what's the interior going to look like? What's, okay. What are we okay. going to do? We're going to do yeah, these things. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I so relate. Yeah. So that's – and actually, music is one of those things I used to always do. I always played, played music. That was my kind of a reward to really get me motivated creativity-wise. But for the stuff I had to do, I always had that. And I, um, I kind of looked to my son for that. I, uh, um, I remember texting him once and saying, send me some music. Tell me what to listen to. How old is he? He's 27. Okay. So, um, this would have been in 2017. Okay. So, um, yeah, early twenties. He was, he was, uh, still in school. Okay. So send me some music. I want to listen to some music. And um, send me a couple of songs. And if you give me a couple of minutes, I can probably tell you what, the, what it was. There was a couple of songs that I can remember listening to repetitively. Because I'm like, oh, I love Did this. Did he send you a playlist or something? Uh, just sent me uh, right. like five or six different songs, different artists okay. that I was listening to. And um, uh, uh, Robot, John Bellion. Okay. That was one of them. Huh. I remember that one. There's a couple other ones and they were, they were all over the board. Cause he has That's kind cool. of, a, uh, you know, kind of an all over the board kind of music thing. And he's got a big music background. So that was, that was why I asked. And I use those as inspiration and those are things I was listening to. But, um, so yeah, that whole summer was just an end of the fall was just focus on that. But I was still doing design work. It's when I came up with like the, the, the font, all the letters, sure. um, all that stuff. And even at that time, when I, I, I tell everybody the, the A in Aztec, because, of course, with a little bit of history on the theater, originally was the Mission Theater. Mm. In the late 40s, Dickinson bought it, renamed it the Aztec. And they had the, the Aztec kind of theme yeah. with Indian heads yeah. and all that. And you can see the old pictures with sure. the neons and stuff like that. But the A was kind of curved and in a straight line. Mm. And the, the cross piece didn't quite connect. Oh, interesting. So that was my inspiration. And I think I drew that. A about a thousand times <laughs> and when I came up with it when I hit it the one that's out there now I knew that was it and the first person I took it to to get feedback was Wade oh we sat down and talked we were over at his theater and I said I, I got to show you something and I want you to tell me because he was big on branding and he knew we we always seemed to meet he loved meeting and talking at Winstead's Oh, over off a row. I mean, and, and yeah. he, he talked about that early on. He goes, look at that. You can just, all they need is that little piece of their spire up there and you know what it is. A thousand percent. Good yeah. branding. Yeah. He goes, you just need something. And I showed him that a, and he goes, that's it. He goes, that, that is, a, that is, that's perfect in there. He said, you need something iconic that would, that would go with that something else. But he goes, I love the letter. Cause I was going to go from there and, and take off of there. And I said something to Bruce and Bruce goes, well, what about the front of the building? So if you look at our logo, it is our a over the front of the building. Okay. And I took it back to Wade again. He goes, yeah, that's it. Nice. Like just so matter of fact. And it did for such a simple thing. And Bruce being Bruce, you know, he's like, well, why don't you see the front of the building? I'm like, how do I, oh yeah, as a very iconic shape and it could be a very simple version of it with the AO, yeah. So, you know, 
So that's the building cool. with the A. I'm really glad you like my idea. Also, thanks again for those 90 days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So, uh, but uh, yeah, it was it was it was fun. And there, you know, just a kind of a tie back in. That was music was um, the part of the creativity where I would just sure. listen. Yeah. And uh, um, and I can remember those times of what I was listening to and why um, as the creative process went. And, you know, even designing the interior space to try to stay. I mean, I wanted to stay true to an Art Deco style. I mean, I, I think you did. Well, and I hope so. I, I, uh, um, we, we've gotten really good feedback on it. And I kind of delved into the Art Deco style. And the reason I like the Art Deco style uh, for this space, I, I love Art Deco in general. But when I was reading up on it, um, I knew when it was. And it was right in the time of the, the French, the Art Nouveau, and into mm. the Art um, Deco, which was a kind of a shortened version of what they were using in French. And then it went into the modern and the streamline and the, um, some of the other ones. So I, I really focused specifically on Art Deco so that it wouldn't be Art Nouveau or modern or streamline. Um, I didn't want it to look like a 50s diner. Right. Um, and I didn't want it to look like a... Um, a French version of the early French version, which would have been Art Nouveau, which was there again, an organic, lots of curves and things like this. It was very specific. So I, I stayed true to it. And I remember my brother telling me one time, he showed me a picture. He goes, Hey, I got this piece that I think would work good in the staircase. And he showed it to me and I go, no, it won't, won't, won't fit. He goes, well, no, we can make it fit. I go, no, decoratively wise, it won't fit. And he kind of got mad at me. He goes, well, I guess I just don't understand what you're doing. And I go, it's fine. It's you not for you to, to understand. Right. Yeah. It's for me to do. And I don't want to, to do it. Had a little bit of a glimpse of, I think, what Wade thought when people were, oh, you got to have this here and you got to have this here, that it was getting in his way. So it was, that's why I think mm. that was. But um, so I, I focused on it very heavily of what it was, um, the notion of what I wanted it to look like, even though I knew it's not what it ever looked like. But the Art Deco style that was really from like the 20s and 30s, mm -hmm. the name didn't come around until the 60s. Right. They named it 40 years later. Right. Go, well, that, we call that Art yeah. Deco. Well, now. it's like uh, in, in, in writing, uh, modernism and oh. po postmodernism. Yes. It's like they're looking, they're calling it modernism like as postmodernism <laughs> is happening. Yeah, that's they're right. Like, uh, yeah, because they look back. What about this? Right? Oh, yeah. Get, come back in 20 yeah. years. 20 years, and then yeah. we'll, yeah. yeah. So I thought it was kind of neat because when I, when I, early on, when I'd ask people, what kind of time frame do you think this is from? Half the people would say twenties and thirties and the other ones would say fifties and sixties. I think that I, I go, yeah, there we go. Yeah, That's exactly, exactly what I wanted. Well, it's, it's a very, very beautiful place. Thank you. Um, I'm, uh, excited to learn a little bit about, you know, the history of it and, uh, look forward to seeing some, some pictures and maybe even I'll check out those YouTube videos. Yeah. But, uh, I really like that, um, <clears throat> music uh, sort of was a backdrop for some yeah. of the creativity piece and that some of that came from your son. Right. Um, you're born and raised here in, yes. in the, in, the in Shawnee. Shawnee. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not too far from here. And so you have uh, your brother, yourself. Are there other siblings? Mm, my sister, sister, my and, sister. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, how did mom and dad meet? Uh, my parents, let's see. My dad was, trying to remember how they met they they were from around here too my my mom was from prairie village okay um 
my dad was from this area because I think my my grandparents were from this area okay. all the time. Um, and um, I can't remember exactly how they met. My dad was in the, uh, uh, um, I'm trying to remember what the name of it was. It wasn't full military, but he was in a, a portion of the military. Like the reserve? Like the reserves okay. or something okay. like that. And went there. And then because they always told the story that when he was there, she moved which I thought was kind of funny <laughs> when he come back and he goes, Hey, you're in a different house or didn't know where she was. Right. You know, I don't think it's exactly like that. Right. But that's how I always remember. Right. Um, but always from this area. Okay. Um, the, uh, my childhood home, they moved in to about a year before I was born. So I think 64, 65, my, my, uh, brother and sister are four and five years older than me. Okay. Um, and, um, but they did live in a different house, and then we moved to the house. Because when I grew up, I was in one house. Yeah, yeah. So when you told me you had, you know, all these different. Yeah, yeah. And, and I still, my wife and I still live in the same house, our very first house right. we bought. That's fine. So we just well, don't move. So weird. But did they, do you have memories of them, uh, your mom and dad, putting music on in the home when you yes. guys were little? And yes. What kind of stuff were they into? So I remember sitting at the, at the uh, kitchen table and the, the uh you know, the stereo or whatever, even with the eight track, yeah. you know, not really the big console one, but kind of a, a stereo in there with some speakers. And my dad would put on, um, Oak Ridge boys, okay. Statler brothers, there you go. uh, Johnny cash. Nice. Of the three that I remember because I loved it. Yeah. That was yeah. kind of neat. Yeah. You know, it was, it was still country ish, but you know, um, and then there were some takeoffs of that, but that's usually where it was. Okay. Um, was mom ever putting stuff on or was she just I, leaving not that, that I remember. Okay. I think that was just sure. part of it. And we were always, um, somewhat musical. Um, my brother played guitar. Okay. Um, my sister started out on cornet or trumpet. Um, she moved to the French horn. When I started out, I started out on, on cornet okay. too, cause I used hers. Yeah. And then, you know, and we, went up from there um my sister of, of us all i would say my sister is probably the one that's most musically inclined she still plays handbells she still plays french horn she's in the Kansas City wind symphony oh wow and nice. um yeah i mean she's very involved in, in a lot of that um much more musically than i am I, I would say even even more so i i consider myself pretty musically inclined sure um my my son um even more so again um he's one that music influences a lot of has always been. Um, we started him out on the piano when he was really young. Okay. Um, maybe seven. Okay. Um, when he went to band and wanted to play, he wanted to play trombone. Mm. Um, and he played trombone all the way through college. God, um, I just watched uh, a cool Instagram reel a couple hours ago. Uh, Trey Anastasio from Fish. Mm -hmm. He's been doing this series where he goes around and, and finds people from the band's crew oh yeah and uh, or his band is and, and what are you doing and, and yeah. so he'll oh more so than just the, the members of the band all no, of the crew it's, and yeah like he's people that go up on you know with pulleys and equipment and change out oh yeah and yeah to all the rigging guys guys, guys and, in the trailer running yeah. all the computer and yeah today he went up to natalie or the one that i saw today he went up to Natalie Cressman, who plays uh, trombone in his Trey Anastasio band, and yeah. and she was warming up 
before a show or, or having her daily rehearsal or whatever. And I mean, he, he must have talked to her for 15 minutes and a lot of it was over my head. Um, because oh. she's talking about how there's like seven different yeah, spots seven positions, yeah. and then talking about keys and, and how you change the pitch by the way that you're on Yeah. I yeah. mean all, yeah. and it was super cause she, she's, uh, very technical and intelligent yeah. and she oh, yeah. could, so like he would ask questions and she would be like, well, it's kind of like on the guitar that this happens. And yeah. I mean, just kind of relating. Just, and the, oh, yeah. the caption was like, uh, you know, how she does all these interesting things on this odd piece of bent metal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is true. It was, and she you know, did just, a whole bunch of demonstrations. I was like, this is wild. Like, yeah. Very cool stuff. Yeah. Well, and I, I tell you a, an interesting story from my son. Um, when he was in, in high school, they'd go to state competitions mm. and they'd do their, their solos and their, and their um, um, quartets and things like that. And they just do them in classroom. You know, they go to like a school, and that's where they have the. Um, um, they go to they go to state, and they they'd be able to play on these their their solos and ensembles. Mm. And they get you know they get bigger and bigger. They specialize in all this. And he said one of them that they're doing is a uh, um, a quartet, which was uh, if I remember right was um, tuba, euphonium, and two trombones. Oh wow. And just kind of an interesting bass line of just a, of a quartet. And I got to sit in and listen to them. And they sat down in a classroom, horrible acoustics. And this thing just sounded phenomenal. Wow. I mean, just beautiful. And, it, you know, sometimes when I think about that, I think, is it just biased because he's my son? Or anything? <laughs> but I think I'd be able to tell him, you know, that was horrible if it ever was. And it just wasn't. It was just beautiful. And uh, um, they did very well on it. And I asked him afterwards, I was saying, you know, how was that set up? And he said, oh, well, it's really only set up for, for one trombone. Trombone, um, I can't remember what he said. It may have been trombone, two euphoniums, and a tuba. Okay. And I go, oh, okay. He goes, so I just, I just transposed it from the euphonium. I go, did you write it? He goes, no, I just, I just did it. What do you mean you just did it? E equals MC squared, man. You Come on, what are you talking did about? did it. You just transpose it, and you just play it in the, in the different key because you got to change the key because you're in a, on a different instrument. I'm already, I'm like, I'm already lost. And yeah. I'm like, that's amazing. Yeah, that In is. and of itself, and it was just a beautiful piece. Uh, oh, yeah. And when, he was in, and when he was in high school, he played in jazz band, and they had him play um, the, the keyboards every once in a while on the ones, which is more of a focal-type instrument. Mm. He liked playing trombone. Mm. I mean, he, he loved playing piano, but it was nothing like he right. liked playing trombone. Right, and that's what he played in in college. Some it, serious personality to it. Oh yeah, know? yeah. He he just loves it, and you know, it was uh, you know part of you know why he did you know he was sure. in music performance in in college and everything. So yeah, I was just like I was just like that's amazing. Nice, but well, having that piano background helps too because you learn trumpet oh, yeah. clef and bass clef at the same time, so he can move around. I only learned treble clef. So I, I treat bass clef like a foreign language. Okay. Okay. Well, if it's here, okay. So on a bass clef, it's here and it's this, you know, yeah, I, I have to do yeah. it that way, but he did the transposition. Uh, on the donde esta. Yeah, that's uh, right. Como esta usted. <laughs> well, uh, I'm interested in, um, you know, our 
progressions as people sort of along the life's journey mm -hmm. uh, and, and music that's important to us in certain times and music that's with us forever. And, and one of the uh, pieces of fascination to me is always like, okay, so uh, Johnny Cash and the Oak Ridge Boys and, and who was the third? Statler Brothers. Statler Brothers. So like this is, you know, this is the music that is around and on in your parents' home. Yeah. And it's sort of like, like, of course, music, you know, gives us joy in ways that other things don't. But mm -hmm. it's it's also sort of like furniture. Like, I remember that couch. I remember that, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Statler Brothers record, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And then something happens where you reach a certain level of, of maturity or uh, uh, your own personality starts to bud. And at some point, like you, you discover an artist or an album on your own. Right. And that, that becomes a core memory or maybe it's your first purchase and that's the root of your collection. So was there a first out that you're, by the way, uh, thank you for uh, doing this and being here and, and being kind enough to get me a list. But sure. be, beyond uh, the list that you gave me, was there something that was uh, that you first fell in love with or first acquired or yeah. what was it? So it, it, was, it was really strange. It's kind of neat how you kind of draw into that. What So while you were talking, I'm thinking about what was the change? What was... You know, because I'll, I'll sit and listen to an Oak Ridge Boys. And stuff, of course. But it's not my forte. Right. Johnny Cash is. My dad had Oak Ridge Boys 8-tracks in yeah. his van. Yeah. And he, it, like, uh, used to love this uh, this annual um, function called Possum Trot. Okay. And it, it was like a, you know, like a renaissance fair, but for, like, the West. Oh, and yeah. Cattle Town and oh, Cowboys. Nice. And, yeah. And, and one of the years, uh, I, I don't know the details, but at some point he gave the Oak Ridge boys a ride in his van. Oh, wow. And it was like, I mean, couldn't be prouder. Wouldn't, like, oh, you know that's so saying? cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I get it. I, yeah. I, yeah, not my yeah. forte, but I do love that yeah. little element. of Yeah. So I, I always think about that because those are the three, three groups that I remember very specifically that we were listening to in the background that he enjoyed listening to. But what, what was it that turned me to other forms of music and right. that gave me my basis for it. And of course I, I started playing trumpet in fourth grade. Okay. So we do that. But I will tell you, I, I know for sure. I know what the very first album was I had. Mm. I still own it. Okay. Um, but besides that, I remember making the conscious decision that whatever I was listening to on the radio at the time, I was listening to, what I would consider, you know, like kids kind of weird pop or something like that, or listening to my own music or something like that. But I thought, man, I'm getting older. I, I probably should start listening to KY102. <laughs> I actually remember that. I made a conscious decision. I guess this is what we do because I had an older brother and sister, yeah. you know, at four and five years older than me, you know, that's what they're listening to. I guess it's time for me to start listening to that. I remember As getting, uh, having a similar, you know, it's like, 71 WHB and then Q yep. 90 all these Q104 KUDL yep. uh, and then all of a sudden like I remember getting my first KY 102 bumper sticker and it was yeah. black with the yellow, the yellow letters and yeah. the hippo and the hippo and I was like yeah. I'm, I'm cool now guys cool now. I don't that's know. right did you guys I, see yeah I'm, I'm listening to this you can hear it out of my car because yeah. I turn it up a lot but I listened to that and it wasn't that it was because I wanted to hear that music it was I thought that was the natural progression of things I need to start listing this. Yeah. And I can't even think of what it was. But the funny thing about that was it had nothing to do with the first album that I had. Mm. So the first album I ever owned was 
Diana Ross presents. Do you know this? It sounds familiar. The Jackson Five. Oh no, I wouldn't have. Yep, I, I, still own it. Okay. Motown album. Wow. Diana Ross presents the Jackson Five. So is she like a producer or something? I or? guess so. Or okay. she was she was the one that was going to introduce them to the world because she was the one that found them or whatever it was. Um, so she get. You got Dr. a little Dre bit of didn't do that with Snoop or Eminem. He yeah. didn't say present, like <laughs> yeah. make a big marquee yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's Dr. Cool. Dre presents. Yeah. How about uh, first concert or, or mem- first memorable okay, concert? Okay, so um, first actual concert, my sister took me. Okay. Chuck Mangione. Uh, Remember Chuck Mangione? Yeah. Feels so good. Yeah. Big uh, flugelhorn. So. <laughs> yep, that's I love that tune. Yeah, so... Um, at uh and she'll probably correct me on this i think it was at uh memorial hall municipal auditorium i can't remember what it was sure. in kck that's that's um, i remember being that's way memorial back. yeah okay um that was really my first concert okay took me to that uh, me and a, another a good friend of mine that played trumpet we went and saw chuck mangione you know were you was, entertained the whole time oh yeah nice yeah. it wasn't just about that it tune. wasn't just about that tune okay um you know it was like wow this is you that know. i and I, somebody being popular playing something similar to like you I, know, think, I was playing i think that's the title track of the record that it came out on perhaps yeah, yeah. Feels uh, so good. yeah. and uh that that whole outfit was like insanely talented Mm-hmm. Like I always just knew oh, it was, that song. Yeah. yeah. And never um, knew where it you, came from. If you look up if, and I don't know this for sure, but I can think back and I think some of the house band players or the players that played with him were obviously from other bands, which is, which is common. I mean, you always saw that sure, in the fifties sure. and sixties, they had house players that were, you know, people you were like, wow, how are they doing that? You know, Elvis. Right. Like, and what comes to mind things like the Jordanaires, yeah. which was, Elvis's background, you know, and things which were super talented in themselves, but in the time, hey, we're back up for you know the biggest artists in the world. Yeah. So, so and I think there were. I think his other uh, performers were also, you know, very good performers okay. in their own right. Now, yeah. whether they were you know popular or not, I don't know. But to me, that was amazing because the popular songs of the time weren't. I mean, you, you'd still see, you know, Herb Alpert. Um, you'd see... Uh, Tijuana you know, Brass. Di- yeah, the Tijuana yeah. Brass. You'd see, um, you know, I loved when he had Rise. That was one of the big things, you know, when Herb Alpert played Rise. But they, um, um, there, there wasn't a lot of instrumental at that time, and that was kind of popular. It wasn't obviously not super popular, yeah, but obviously... It's like a seven or eight minute long track, too, which is, yeah, doesn't crazy. fit into the radio... Yeah, they must have had a radio edit version. Oh, I'm sure that they were feeding us. But but um, but that was my first concert. But my first first actual what I would consider a rock concert Mm. was Steve Miller Band. Oh, wow. That was fun. At Starlight. Starlight. Heck yeah. Buddy of mine and I. And it was before we could drive or right about when we could drive because I remember either his mom dropped us off and my mom picked us up or vice versa. Mm. Because, you know, it was I mean, Starlight, which was, you know fantastic venue and always has been but, but right it, there in swope park but it got like you know 20 ish 25 years ago did it get some uh, facelift yeah. okay yeah yeah it's it definitely looks up- upgraded incredible right now yes. and it's a very yeah, fun place to see a show yeah. but it hasn't always looked exactly like no that. that's right okay. yeah they they did some upgrades and things too and that's probably about right probably about 20 25 years yeah ago. somewhere in there so but i saw steve miller and i tell people that story because it, to me it's funny because i loved it. i thought it was the greatest thing in the world and everybody's like oh yeah because everybody from 
that's like a big 70s rocker kind of thing. And even up to now can recognize, most people can recognize Steve Miller. Yeah. But when I say it was my first concert and they kind of see my age, they're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. You know, and then I tell them which tour it was. Mm. It was the Abracadabra tour. Okay. Totally 80s. Okay, I was going to say like yeah. 82. 80s. Nothing like, you know, Fly Like an Eagle I, stuff I, well, and the Joker and all that. Uh, it was Abracadabra. I, I love me some Abracadabra. Me I mean, too. that is, that'll get you, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, but see, you see my, my, my dilemma on that. What I think is so funny about it, because when somebody says, uh, name, a, name a Steve Miller album or a Steve Miller track or something like that, Abracadabra will not be... Usually well, not in the first three I'm or four. I'm glad you said that because uh, <clears throat> I was in this whatever phase. Okay, you know, uh, not necessarily the oldies anymore and, and trying to branch out and, and, yep. and Abracadabra came out. Yep. And I was like, this is this slaps. Yep. I love this. And then fast forward all these years later when I'm like parked for an eternity in the camp of classic rock yeah. and fly like an eagle. I was like, wow, there's some really fascinating things happening in there. And I'm building a collection, so the way that I'm going about it, unfortunately, uh, is I'm buying greatest hits, and if it really grabs me, then I start getting all the individual records. Yeah, the Steve Miller Band's greatest hits is great. Yes. I don't know that they might have done two volumes, but I don't think Abracadabra is on volume one. No, probably you not get because all, they had such a great catalog. I know, before that. I know, and there yeah. and and more. You know, there's some cool tracks that are like yeah. kind of whatever, but there's also some that have a lot of fascinating time signature yeah. kind of trippy things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even into the '80s. Yeah, and so then yeah. by the time I'm old enough and however I learned, uh, wait, that guy, that guy did Abracadabra, that yeah. song that I remember from. Yeah, you know, way funny. back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and um, I, I, I kind of gauge it in the in the fact of. There were so many really good 70s rock bands yeah. that still had hits in the 80s, mm-hmm. but they were different. The Eagles. <laughs> um, the Eagles, Boston, Boston, Mario Speedwagon. I, I just mean, did a, uh, I didn't do this from time to time, but I just did a real heavy uh, uh, sort of vow renewal reconciliation with third stage. Um, because again, it's like that comes out, I'm hearing Amanda, you know, yep. and the, but then I discover Boston and, and don't their debut, their self-titled debut and, and don't look back, which are just top to back full of absolute bangers. Hits. Oh yeah. And, yeah. uh, you know, third stage felt like this much more like soft, uh, uh, it's, but anyway, uh, I've here just in the last couple months, um, drug it out and i mean i really really like that record really like third, um, their, their third set. yeah is that, is that the one with amanda on it, it is it i opens, have a good story about that it opens too, with so. amanda yeah um i've always had an affinity for cool the engines okay um because they do um you know it's sort of like the we've got to let you know turn this party down just a bit but they yeah. do a whole lot of bim, 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 changes yeah. the, the, and, the and bouncing around yeah. And, yeah um um but it's definitely a different feel than everything was in the 70s oh my gosh um but it's not as it, it's still a little electronic kind of the well 80s, but not um we're also actually i used uh some audio snippets from we're ready now uh, which is another, tr- it's a slower, okay, so now I'm not now. With that one, yeah. oh, okay. but there's right. a really cool kind of baseline kind of thing. Yeah. It's, I, the first guy I took guitar lessons from, um, 
uh, taught me about Tom Scholes being an uh, uh, MIT genius and developing the Rockman. Okay. And uh, I didn't. I just thought that that. I mean, they've had their sound across. You know, definitely those first three albums and probably since. Um, but it seems like he, if you, the liner notes for third stage are like really extensive really? and it's not just credits and listings. It's this whole, it's whole story I, story. Of, yeah. And I think that, I think for that record was when he finally, like, I think they lost a couple musicians or went a different direction from the first two, but I think they finally, if you read it, it's like, there's no, there's nothing electronic there's nothing. There's no synth. This is all real, real stuff coming yeah. through yeah. the Rockman, which I think he ultimately patented, oh, and it's wow. a special kind of amp or mixer or something yeah. like that. But just if you that sound, and I have plugged into one before and just and it's you're like, oh shit, yeah, that's like, what yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. cool. It's very unique. And, yeah, yeah. So when I was in college, I had a buddy of mine that was more into like, and he wasn't really a music guy. But he was more into like 70s music than he okay. was into 80s music. And I was more into 80s music. I mean, this was the 80s. Yeah. You know? This was uh, mid to late 80s when I was in college. And I remember him telling me one day that his girlfriend, and the three of us hung out a lot. He looked at me and he said, yeah, um, uh, Sherry likes Boston, but she only likes Amanda. <laughs> and he goes, I was pretty happy when I figured out that she liked Boston, but then it's Amanda. Really? Amanda? And he said it that way. There's some shredding in there. Yeah. It's a love song, but there's but some shredding. You know, it's, a, it's kind of the, the, it's what everybody did in the 80s. You get your kind of, it was their power ballad. Yeah. You know? And, uh, but it was just the way he said it. But it's Amanda. Yeah. You know? With stank on <laughs> it. Because he was, yeah. you know, all into the, yeah. Uh, I just thought that was funny. That the, funny. the only. And, and I'm like, oh, well, I'll have to listen to that a little bit more. So. Well, listen, uh, thank you again for doing this. This is sure. super fun. It, yeah. uh, and I, I mean, we, we spoke on the phone uh, a handful of weeks ago, and um, I was uh, doing an episode with uh, Shane Powers from Sirens in the Suburbs, who I think is yeah. gigging here. Yep, that's right. On um, the Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th, in October. October. Yeah. Uh, so I reached out because, you know, it's like we had that conversation and like your original Alexa, you know, they're listening. They're listening it's here. like the next day I was on Twitter and, and the Aztecs Twitter handle was just right, right there. there. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'll be darned. And so yeah. uh, and then, um, you know, fo- follow follow the account. And then I went to the website. I went to the website, I think, looking just general curiosity, but also looking for that show because mm-hmm. it was when we recorded it was kind of like you know he sort of was like i don't know if i should say anything yet but we're looking to do yeah and then I, think, I don't think we had it we were talking about it that time we knew he was going to do it but we didn't have the details yet. right well we really didn't even get the details completely and fully until just i mean literally just the other day right yeah well so uh <clears throat> anyway i'm looking i'm going through the calendar looking for, but also just looking to see you know, uh, how many how many shows is this place doing? Who are they booking? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I was blown away by the fact that there were not, not only a very healthy number of acts booked, but uh, a very large number of cover bands. Mm-hmm. And I, at one point, I might have mentioned this on the phone. At one point, I was like, this can't be accurate. This is, I mean, like, where are all these folks coming from do they yeah. all are they all local or some of them yeah. touring in like i mean it's it's i don't know if it's more of a phenomenon or less of a phenomenon than i'm making it out to be but it 
totally caught me off guard. You talk about like a lot of the tribute bands, yes, the ones that are very yes, specific. Yes. Yeah. It is, it is kind of odd, but there's, um, um, there's a, there's a level of dedication of just uh, over and above just being a musician and right. to be to tribute and say, I, I'm going to do this group. Yeah. And a lot of that from what I've, from what I understand and, and have come to realize is it's just, it stems from a love of a very specific type of music and an idea to be fully entertained, Yeah, you know, and doing an, an, um, all, and all of them are like that, that they, um, they enjoy the music. Um, I always ask the question, the question was, was it music you liked or did you just figure out you sounded like them? <laughs> and it's usually it's just music they like and they just happen to sound kind of like them. Huh, okay. Because they don't always sound exactly like them. But uh, when the show is on, if you can put on a good show, it's more about audience interaction and having a good time and remembering that. And the more I've seen them, the more I understand that when you go to a regular concert, so if I was to go to a, a concert now and see somebody that I really like. Steve Miller. Um, yeah, let's go see Steve Miller. They're gonna play some, some B tracks. They're gonna play some of their lesser known stuff. Um, um, I was at an Everclear concert at, uh, uh, at the Midland one time. I think it was Midland, yeah, years ago. And somebody kept yelling, uh, play Father of Mine. Mm. And uh, the lead singer goes, if we play it now, you're all going to leave. <laughs> How do you think this works? Ah, it was so matter of fact. Nice. And I was like, yeah, he's right. So, but, you know, the groups want you to hear some of those B tracks that maybe you didn't listen to the first right. time, especially now when you can just buy the one song. Yeah. Um, so they want you to listen to those. When you go see a tribute band, you're going to hear, you're, randomly, you're going to hear a kind of a cool, um, you know, B side or a, a, or a you know, a, a deep track or something like that. And yeah. there are bands that really delve into that. But you generally well, you're going to see a whole concert of of hits. Sure, but that uh, you know is, is a I, I think um, you know if most of the concert is hits, like you you really need to tilt the ratio in in the who we are. Yep. as individuals and musicians versus what we're doing, which is covering the, yeah. the, this this cat portion of this catalog, right? And and a lot of those hits, like you you want to lean, I think, more in the direction of sounding like the original artist yes. versus being yourself. But with those B sides, I think you can tilt it the other way. Yeah, yeah, you can say this it, is this is our version. Of yeah, it. and make it yeah. cool, and make yeah. people will be like, oh, I don't yeah, know. especially if you hadn't heard it before. Exactly. Um, so I'm trying to remember that I know there's going to be a good example of it, of hearing a song, um, maybe by an artist. Oh, I have a really good example of this. You ready? Yeah. Hurt by Johnny Cash, oh. the remake. I was sitting in my driveway waiting for a, a, a load of gravel to arrive. <laughs> and they came on the radio and said, this is one off of his American recordings. And I think this is one of my scratched on my list of albums. Um, because it's one of the more newer Johnny Cash is the ones that Rick Rubin was producing mm -hmm. where they're mm -hmm. doing these newer songs. That one in particular is good because a lot of hits on it, but it has hurt. So I heard it and I'm like, I was just mesmerized. Yeah. Um, I love a good song that will just give me chills. It was dark and it was very much Johnny Cash. 
had no idea it was a remake. It was a cover. And when I figured it out, which was like five minutes later when they said it, that Nine Inch Nails did it, I thought, I got to hear this song. And if you want, to me, the same exact song to mean so much to two completely different people in completely different styles, that's the song. That is so moving, either one of them you hear. Johnny Cash's whole life is in that song. And it's so heartfelt. And the way he twists it um, in his, in his own heart. Yeah. yeah. And that, that deep. And then hear feel. it in Trent Reznor's off-key, twisted drug thing that is nothing what Johnny's was, even though Johnny kind of has a little bit of a drug portion in there. But, yeah. But... Man, Trent Reznor's one. I, I thought, I'm going to hate this song because I love Johnny so much. I love them both in a totally different well, way. Well, I think there's a, a famous uh, moment in an interview or something mm -hmm. like that where Trent was asked, uh, yeah. have you, what do you, not have you heard Johnny's yeah. cover oh. or what do you think about Johnny? And he was just like, that's Johnny's song now. Like, yes, that's right. Because he, right. he was he goes, so. Oh, it's not even my song. Yeah, anymore. yeah, that's right. But I don't think that's true. He may feel that way. Well, but, but I, I see I what think his he point was, was. I think from he was heart. doing Tipping a little hat. Yeah. Yes. yes, yes, most definitely was. And but you know, to some extent, he was right. He made it his own. Yeah. And you know, but Trent kind of gave him a, like, you know, that's not my song anymore. Well, right. no, not that version. But, right. And I thought this is you know just this weird juxtaposition of keys and the way it is you know and the extension of it so but that was that was kind of interesting that um having a a, a cover sure that, that was um just as powerful as the original yeah. and doing it in your own way so you i, I want to move in the direction i want to break for the restroom real quick and okay. i want to move in the direction of your list but before we do that mm -hmm. um i'm thinking of i'm trying to picture uh, this a variety of artists that you've had perform um, and you said you had a funny story about folks being seated or not being seated or something like that. Oh, or yeah. Or the seats themselves. Yeah. yeah. So um, we, you know, like I say, originally we were, we were going to be a movie theater. Yeah. So we, we spent quite a bit of money on just getting some of these seats. They, some of them came with the theater, but we had to have them reupholstered. So that was fairly costly. Having them installed... This. We had all these ideas. It looks of, like an expensive collection. It, of seats. It's a, it's a, it's a bit, but it is still a little nostalgic because they all came out of the old Crown Center Hotel Theater. Um, they were red and gold cloth. Hmm. Um, we had them reupholstered in the black vinyl just to kind of blend in. It would have been kind of neat to have some vintage seats, but we knew once everybody was in here, if we had something that was nostalgic to the area, um, it'd be nice to be comfortable. <laughs> so. We also lost a few seats because we needed to spread them out a little bit. So mm. you're, you know, yeah. that's, that was kind of our, our thought process. But we wanted it in here as a theater. Then as you do it as a concert, you're like, that's okay. We have all the seats. But if we wanted to rent it out for, you know, a wedding event or something like that, we could just remove some of these seats and then put them back. And the people that do the seats are like, you have no idea what's involved in putting these in. And taking them out they don't look like they come they out. do not go in <laughs> i have pictures of the progression of them installing them and they they bolt them to the floor uh, yeah on just the armrest and then the seats are put in in the middle 
Okay. So then if you take them off, and I know you have the view of it here, and, and it might be where you can see it behind me, but there are exactly 13 seats in each row. But So you can look over my shoulder and look at them and notice they're not all lined up. No. Because they're different widths. And there's five or six different widths of those chairs. Seriously? Yes. I mean, I'm seeing 18, it now. I wouldn't 18, have 18, 19, 19 and a half, 20, 20. I think there's more than six. So they're, they're spaced, and they're spaced specifically. So they're, they're designed and laid out by the, the, the uh, Cy Young, who's the one that did it. Nancy from Cy Young did it. And they, they told us, oh, yeah, you have all these different size seats and different angles, and you want to spread them out and do all this. What? And isn't that wild? Wait, so, that, so intentionally? Yes, very intentionally. Because, because you, you, if you had them all exactly the same, and they were all lined up. You'd all be lined up. Of like course. This. Yes, I get so you that. Have all this thing. And most people just think they're all lined up. But when you stand up here on the stage, you can look back yeah. and you can say, hey, well, oh, that's right. They don't all line up. But, there, walking but down, there are five-ish different sizes five different of chairs sizes. out there. In this, yeah, right. different widths. Wow. And they have to figure that out that if, okay, well, now if we have some 18s, now we have to have some 22s and they're putting a specific. Because it's all got to add up to. To the exact yeah. same. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So Fascinating. Which is, yeah. So, um. So that was part of it. And I had, you know, we're, we have most of our demographic is older. We have some cover bands and, and tribute bands and things like that. And um, we've had some younger audiences and we've had uh, um, some heavy metal bands. Um, a friend of mine came in with his band, Full Stack Fury, with their friend Shadow Sin. And they had another group, uh, Third Floor was in here, much younger group, heavy metal just shook the building it was fantastic and, um, and everybody was sit, sitting down no oh the younger the audience the more that are standing yeah of course they were all you know and i thought we're gonna get a noise complaint on this one somebody's gonna go so sometimes when it gets too loud or the sound is a little off somebody will come to us and say hey it's it's too loud or something like that uh patron yes okay yeah and it's just you know and there are some seats that are better than others there's some that you'll lose a little bit of this but it's very rare in here it's it's very acoustically sound so, um, but sometimes they'll get a little loud for somebody and they'll say, I feel like it's too loud or something like that. Not very often, but sometimes they do. Um, I was in the office up there, they were playing and, um, it was just shaking the place. And so I came out on the balcony to listen and I had to look to see what was going on. And everybody was in the first four rows, just packed to the stage. Mm. And they were just, I mean, just head banging and just going at it. And it was amazing and it sounded good. It was just louder than I was used to. So um, I'm looking at that going, oh, that's, that's kind of interesting. And I've had other people say, well, you need to take out some seats because we need a dance floor or mm. we need this. Yeah. And I was talking to, um, I'm going to drop a name here. It's Stretch. You know Stretch? Oh, Grinders. Yes. Yeah. Have you met Stretch? Uh, not officially. Okay. Yeah. Need I worked, I worked for him for oh, yeah? 50 seconds and then never, and never returned from okay. my paycheck. Okay. But. So, um, another one of those people I love to sit and talk with cause he's just full of information. So when he did his concert in here and he did it with his, his group, um, brought in a couple other bands and they played here. I tell people the story. This is what was out of his mouth. He said, and it was a short term. We only had like three or four weeks to get this ready to go. Um, but he wanted to do it. I knew he had a lot of followers. Um, one of the first things out of his mouth was, okay, well, part of those, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> part of this, um, the ticket sales, I want to go to a charity. 
And I'll, I'll figure out one because he's got multiple ones he want, likes to give to and everything like that. That, that statement alone told me where he was and the type of person he was. You know, that he's, he's kind of chaotic and he's fun, and, but he has all this stuff and everything. But that alone said a lot, really meant a lot to me. Uh, okay, this guy um, he really is, has a big heart. And from that point on, I'm like, I, I'm going to listen to everything this guy has to say. You know, we're gonna, I want to work together with him. He's got some experience in this industry. I want to know all this stuff. So, um, so they played. They did all this. And I was sitting talking to him, and I asked him. I go, you know, we've had these younger bands in here, and I'd like to get a younger group and doing all this. And I said, but I, I, I know you have, and he has big groups that mm. come to the crossroads mm -hmm. and stuff. So I'm trying, you know, trying to get some information from him. And, uh, and he looked right at me, and he goes, you want to know how to get the – Get a younger demographic in here. Get some more. I go, yeah. What's the secret? He goes, take all your seats out. Mm. And I go, what? He goes, take your seats out. I said, the older demographic wants to sit down, but the younger ones don't. I mean, I've and it and it was out of his mouth, and I'm like, well, that seems weird. It took me about 10, 15 seconds. And I'm like, and he's right. Right. So, for us to cater to a younger crowd in general if i had to if i wanted to do that i have to sacrifice my part of your vision part of my vision and part of our our established demographic our community people because yeah. they're older yeah that's tough that is tough and there's so, no there's no middle of the road yeah, for there's that. kind it's, of oh no, there there's a middle okay. okay so so well we're i'm a numbers guy so there's a middle so the middle is Maybe you take out some of them, <laughs> but you make it where you can still sit so that we can put seats in here. We can move, or maybe we change the seats so we can move them around a little bit. And that's what we're working on now. After all that. Yeah. yeah. Went into so I knew we weren't going to take any seats out at first. We, we spent too much money and too sure. much time in it. But when you have somebody say something so matter of factly, that is so very right and go, okay, I am not going to disregard my, my core group, my people that have supported us from day one. I am not going to forsake them and go, sorry, I need this other group. I'm going to look at a chance to say, I think we can bring in a crossover, keep my, my core group happy, but also somewhat cater. And we're going to look at taking some seats out, but making them more temporary where we can move some seats. Sure. It's not the easiest and it's not going to happen overnight, no. but I mean, and then, yeah. you know, uh, would you be able to find a home for the ones that you replace with temporary or, mm -hmm. okay. Sure. So, cause they, it looks one, like they're all still in very good oh, shape. Oh yeah. Yeah. And there's more of them. We oh, have a boy. few extra ones oh, because, boy. well, because you always have to have extra ones. Sure. One, of, one of the things my brother was big on was, you know, we always had to have extra pieces and parts because, you know, people stand on seats, people break seats. It just happens. So people spill blue spills, carousel. Yeah, carousel on on the ones. Now, although the chairs are, are good, uh, yeah. the floor not so right. much. But concrete floor from 1927, and it still sucks in. Wow, blue carousel. But well, it's uh, yeah. I'm literally picturing. I mean, I've been going to shows since I don't know eighth grade, ninth grade, somewhere in there, mm -hmm. uh, and I, I see a fair amount still. Yeah, um, and it's really wild to have gone. Um, all the way from, I just, if there's a way to get 
you know, front row yeah. or what, you know, what, and now all the way it's like, is this a seated event? Cause I am not going to want to stand the whole time. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I want to be close to the bathroom and close to the beer stand and, <laughs> yeah, and I right. don't want to, I don't want to miss a whole yeah. bunch of the show standing yeah. in line or traveling to get to it. So yeah. I would like to have a seat. Yeah, That's right. And I think <laughs> I, a I crossover get, and I get it, that not everybody does. That's right. I'm fine yeah. with that. Yeah. Because, um, as it turns out, um, you, you're usually in your late twenties or early thirties and you don't need a seat. Nope. And I remember when I was in my late twenties, yep. early thirties, even in my forties, I didn't need a seat yeah uh but there was a time yeah i went to the uh went and saw a concert at the truman okay and was totally surprised when we're standing there going there is not a single seat in here there's not a so i was leaning against the wall yeah. for a while yeah. enjoying the concert yeah. and then it was like Whew, this is rough now yeah. you can get seats they're up in there there's like balcony things i've that been you have to, to i've been to a show at the truman where it was full of oh uh, yeah folding chairs oh really okay yeah, yeah. okay uh, yeah they didn't do that for us no yeah, it was um, definitely a younger crowd. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'd like to move in the direction of your list. Okay. Uh, but first, I'd like to take a quick restroom break. And okay. See you right back. All right. You good? You comfy? Yep, I'm good. 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 All right. Well, we're back. Um, like I mentioned, uh, appreciate uh, you getting me a list. You had, if I, if I remember correctly... You had a, a list of five and four that didn't make that almost made the cut, and yeah. we'll, we'll we'll go through your five and touch on the four just briefly. Yeah. Um, but if we um, sort of explore it uh, in chronological order of release, uh, I believe that puts us starting in 1975 with "Wish You Were Here." Yeah. Pink Floyd, ninth of fifteen records for them, five tracks. Really, always blows my mind that there's only five songs on that five record. Songs. Yeah, uh, 44 minutes, um, a whole lot of uh, uh, tongue-in-cheek music industry critique. Uh, uh, weird, you know. This a lot of this stuff is about Sid Barrett, and he makes this appearance to the studio when they're recording. Do you know this story? I don't know the story. So you know. Shine on your crazy diamond. Wish you were here. a lot of that is so. Sid Barrett was like the founding, yeah. Member, you know, '66 uh, and '68. I think were Piper at the Gates of Dawn and um, I didn't realize it went back that far. Uh, Saucerful of Secrets. Those are their first two, gotcha. and the only two that Sid is present been, for. Been a, oh, okay, um, and he, uh, David Gilmore, comes in. Their 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 sound completely changes for the better by far and large yeah um and so they're they're and also you know there's some strife uh in the time surrounding the writing and the recording of this because they're like not necessarily getting along i think they're all sort of they all have things going on that are are, it's not the same vibe that it was you know through um, more and Adam Hart Mother and Obscured by Clouds and all ultimately Dark Side, which is the predecessor to this one and yep. and and like what the biggest record in the world probably at the <laughs> yep. time. Um, uh, so there's turmoil and then so they're they're channeling this and then Sid Barrett shows up at this. They like don't even recognize it's very very weird and bizarre oh wow um and up to for a chunk up to uh, up to and including dark side alan parsons is producing 
for them uh and and yeah i remember something about that yeah decides to uh, maybe they need some new direction for this one but also like (laughs) i'm gonna go do this thing called the ellen parsons project (laughs) um but yeah there's so there's a gilmore quote uh it was a very difficult period i have to say all your childhood dreams had been sort of realized and we had the biggest selling record in the world and all the things you get into it for the girls and the money and the fame and all that stuff. It was all, everything had come our way and you had to reassess what you were in it for thereafter. And it was a pretty confusing and sort of empty time for a while. Yeah. Which like was somewhat understandable, but also kind of sad to learn Yeah, because, um, Dark Side is what it is. It's it's fantastic. It's incredible. Never before have we even scratched the surface of some possibility of doing something like that. Yeah. It works from start to finish. It's just really, really out of this world. I mean, yeah. Dark Side of them, and then they put this out, which I think uh, is equally valuable, equally impressive and, and a very, uh, dear record to me. Oh yeah. So I was pleased to see that it was on your list. How did you get into Floyd and how did this one wind up making okay. your list? So, um, and like you, you touched on a little bit, I did have some, some albums that I cut and of course, dark side dark of moon. Side, yeah. Now that, that notion in and of itself, dark side of the moon got cut from this list. You will never hear that. You never heard it before, and you'll never hear it again. <laughs> so there is no list it should not be on. It's it's, it's on that. everybody's list. It is, but it's but uh, it, it's it. You know what? When uh, when we talked the first time, and it was kind of a, the the process of deciding what it was was um, to me. I had I had gone through before and done like my favorite top ten songs. Mm. and um, wow. did it for 96.5 The Buzz 15 years ago and got picked to go on there. I sat in the studio with them. Really? Yeah, that yeah, was cool. Um, what my favorite, you know, 10 songs of that time were, and, and uh, they didn't have to be popular ones then. It was just songs that I really liked at that time. So I thought, well, I'll just revisit what I thought of that time, and maybe my music interests have changed a little bit, but those, those are pretty strong songs. But to do it with albums is different. And that in and of itself was a really cool journey Mm. to think about that hard because I thought, okay, I can't think of just the songs because when I think about the 10 songs, and I probably couldn't at the time couldn't tell you what those 10 songs were, but I could probably tell you what five were. Right. And I'm thinking that that was the song off the album I liked. There there wasn't really anything else on that album I liked. Mm. So to say that it's an album, then I have to really think about, oh, yeah, Dark Side of the Moon. You know, that was really what it was. I was like, well, that one's going on there. Boom, bam, it's on there. So now I'm thinking, this is going to be harder than I thought, and maybe I don't have that many albums. And then I did, and I really got to thinking about it. I was like, oh, yeah, there was that. And then I really delved into what it meant to me. Um, and so with when I really started listing them out, I thought hard about Dark Side of the Moon, and it is. Um, what turns out with albums, what makes them important to me is that the album in and of itself is a story throughout the whole thing. 
and it, it tells the yeah. story as you go through. This and is way more of a dark side. It's kind of fragmented. It is a little think. fragmented. I mean, there's it, some unity. Yeah, but but it, it but it does flow. I mean, obviously, it flows right. together very well. Especially if you turn on the Wizard of Oz or whatever. However, that yeah, works. I know there's some sort of thing. I would love to do that right. here, by the way. Oh, that would be awesome. Oh yeah, um, but I um, it it, it kind of tells a story, but it is so iconic mm. and so almost obvious that I didn't want it to be. And I thought, I'll move on. You're making me feel like I should have a bullet point caveat in the correspondence. What are we, your, we all have dark side on our list. <laughs> I know. So don't, doesn't it seem, don't, doesn't it seem like it? Don't let it take up a spot because we all have it. But the thing is, I didn't really have an emotional connection to it other than I, I thought about it. It, it probably, there, there's a really good chance it was the very first album I listened to start to finish. Mm. So that in and of itself, you know, it was so popular and so timeless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, in the time. And so, um, but, but it is, it's on so many lists. It, I didn't really have as much emotional bond as I had with this one, with Wish You Were Here. Um, and I'll tell you, I vaguely remember one of the reasons I bought it the first time. And I remembered it sitting here when I flipped it over. So the backside of this album, the album cover, has a has a guy holding a clear album. Huh. Okay. So when I first started collecting records in the eighties, hold it. Show, oh, show so it to the, yeah. So go. it's got the so it's got the gentleman with the clear album. Yeah. Thing in there. Um, and I was big into these half speed master recordings because this predated CDs. So these were high end master recordings. You know, they could have just been them selling me and I fell for all the market. Sure. Um, but I saw that and I thought, I, I like Pink Floyd, you know, I've, I've heard Dark Side of the Moon and this one, and I was collecting um, picture discs and colored vinyls at the time. What huh. are the chances this is clear vinyl? Right. I think that's why I bought it. Oh, wow. Opened it up um, and played it um, and definitely played it all the way through. Did you recognize Have a Cigar or Wish You Were Here? Or no. It? Wow, okay. I think it was okay. just there. And then I, when I'm listening to it, I'm like, I guess I, I felt like that's how you listen to a Pink Floyd album. You didn't go, oh, where's the good song on it? Oh, where's the other good song? Right. You just played it. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is, this is interesting. This is yeah. all the way through good. Um, and so I had an emotional connection to it that, um, and I've had this discussion with people before with certain songs, and, you know, what's, what's a song if you hear it on the radio, um, you will not shut it off. You know, you, it's halfway over and you pull in your driveway, you're going to sit in the driveway. Mm. Um, you're late for some, some place, you're going to listen to the rest of the song. Um, wish you here, that track in and of itself is. That opening um, acoustic yeah, guitar. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, I haven't lived in a lot of different places. We rented a couple of places, but I've always had fairly good stereo equipment. Nice. I just, I just have and music was always important to me. And, um, when, when this, you know, came out, when I, when that's why I was buying these master recordings and I always had a good TAC, you know, not super high end turntable. Um, I'd play this, this was the song I would play fairly loud that I could would just engulf me um wish you were here um turn it up so loud you can't even hear yourself singing yeah along. yeah and hopefully that's the way because right. nobody wants to hear me <laughs> sing so um 
and as a side note, when I first bought my CD, my the first CD player I bought, um, the and I don't know if it's still true. If you buy one now, um, I bought this on CD. I had to have it on CD. Um, I had a I had a CDP one hundred one, which was the the original one that they put out, the first production model, and um, wish you were here. Um, the first CD players were geared toward the CDs and everything were geared toward the audiophiles, the classical. Mm. So all of the, you know, you'd have this, a piece, a classical piece that had all these movements. So they'd have tracks and uh, indices. So different index for different movements. The CD that I had for Wish You Were Here had two tracks and five indices. Oh, because it all track runs. one is side one, track two is side two. The index, the in, each index right. was a song. Right. Um, I have no idea if it stayed that way, because of course then that went away. Yeah. A track was a song, yeah. and it moved to that one. But I thought that was interesting that, and I could move to whatever I wanted to hear. But I never wanted to hear it that way. I wanted to hear it as it progressed through, just like Dark Side of the Moon. Right. So, um, and I don't know why. Wish you were here was and like i said i didn't know any of the background on it or any of the um the reasoning behind it that's why it was so important to me hmm. i just loved it because i loved it yeah and it wasn't anything that anyone else was listening to i wasn't i wasn't going oh wait, oh yeah he's listening to that i want to listen to it well it's, so what is, is we you get shine on parts one through four and then it closes with five through eight yeah and you have have a cigar wish you were here what's the other track that um here, um, shine on you, crazy diamond. Wish you were here. Uh, what's the other one? I don't know. You got it in front of you. Though. I do, but <laughs> if it's typical Pink Floyd. Oh, it doesn't. Say it doesn't it. list it. Uh, um, and you know what? I had the CD because I also have the CD. I wonder what it is. I could cheat and pull it out. Let's see what it is. Oh, my copy doesn't say either. Does it? Yeah, because I flipped it over earlier because I was like, what was it? I was doing the same thing. So and I. Think and it's not a gatefold. Okay, let's look. So we had um, have a cigar. Wish you were here. All the shine on you, crazy diamond. Then I'm gonna find it. And of course, it's white on the back. Goodness, now you can see this. This was the thing that I did with music. <laughs> These are so sealed. And my, I, the albums were always. I always took really good care of them. They were always in and out of it. It is. Welcome to the machine. Oh my gosh. I can't believe I couldn't remember that. Yeah. Makes two of us. It is. Well, I, I don't know if I, I used to, you know, sit down. I did for a long time sit down with um, liner notes and listen with headphones yeah. on and, yeah. and, and get real into it. I don't know if the first time I, or the first couple of times I listened to this thing, uh, I realized that it was one through four and five through eight. Yeah. But, oh, by, I didn't. but by the time I did, I was like, that's really cool. And then I started to hone in a little bit more on the specific parts. Um, and you know, um, there's just, you know, like we were talking about third stage earlier, the, the cover art is like a picture of the earth 
and there's a there's a rocket ship moving toward yes. and it's like part of their gear it's like a yeah. piece of equipment yeah with their logo on it, it feels, you, but it, at first glance you don't see yeah, it it You're feels gonna, it feels uh outer spacey well yeah. there's a very sort of you know uh outer spacey journey with mm-hmm. especially with some of the keyboard stuff rick wright's doing that makes yeah. it sound like a horn yeah um but the thing that always uh i always go to and thinking back is there's a there's a part you know it kind of builds and then you got some background kind of cloud yeah. pillowy and then all of a sudden there's this shooting star sort of sound where it's like yeah. you know and it's like what, where what did that come that? from? Yeah. yeah. What yep. instrument? Yeah. What but, effect? Yeah. And it's, that is very typical of a Pink Floyd. That's kind of their moniker. It, it just kind of flows with yep. it. Um, and they have all that weird, um, like the start of, and I don't even know if it's the track before the end, before it goes into Wish You Were Here. With the, and you hear the people talking. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what's really weird is to hear it in headphones because I rarely used to play with headphones on. Okay. I wanted to feel everything. Yeah. I wanted I wanted it to be there, but you listen to it in headphones and it's in so much stereo and there's some of the stuff playing. Um, good example, I was I was listening to of all things when I was working out this morning, Magical Mystery Tour. Oh, nice. There's a story behind that if we could get to it we will, but so I'm listening to it. Very hard to listen to stereo Beatles with with airpods in oh because is that one cut out did that one cut out <laughs> i literally did that is it doing oh that's part of the song right yeah yeah yeah. but there's parts you don't normally hear because they're doing it on purpose yeah. oh yeah but but welcome to the machine um and i am i'm a little distraught that i didn't remember which it was because i love that track because it's a it's a yeah, you know, it's guttural. Hey, good luck. Very guttural. It's like steam, hey, steamboat. Hey, kid. Yeah, just yeah. You know, you know the it's the it's the workforce. It's you know just this is life. Yeah, welcome. Yeah, it's gonna suck. Remember how you just spent your whole life wishing you were growing up? Yeah. Now you are. Now you are, and it's have fun. Welcome to the machine. <laughs> and the and it is. It's dark. Yeah. And it's gritty. And it is one of them that I would crank up and just absorb myself into it to do it. So it was yeah. That was very much a part of that one. Very cool. Very yeah. cool record. Um, and uh, quite uh, the transition piece uh, to go yeah. from, you know, just such a... I always assume everybody knows an album like that. Because you, if yeah. you don't, you should. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's like... But, uh, but I, would get it if they, I, I would get it if they don't. Because Dark Side of the Moon was so popular. Yeah. I mean, you know, so, so is The Wall. And how... You know, in most places, yeah, that's true. But but in between Dark Side and the Wall are perhaps the two greatest records they ever wrote. What was the What was the other one? Animals. Animals. Okay. Animals yeah. is just. Yep. I mean. Yeah. Rock and that'll bring yep. you out of your office, being like, "Is the well, is, it, is, it, is, it, is everything is the walls right? going to fall down?" <laughs> yeah. 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 But so we go from uh, a really well known album, at least in my mind, uh, from '75 to '82, uh, "The Nightfly." Yeah. Donald Fagan. Yep. Uh, first of four, eight tracks, 38 minutes long, seven Grammy nominations this got. That doesn't surprise me. Uh, one of, uh, let's see, the Wall Street Journal of all, of all places called it one of pop music's sneakiest masterpieces. Um, 31 studio musicians credited. Uh, how'd this one land in your lap? Okay, so this is really weird. Um, 
I had no idea he was in Steely Dan when I okay. bought this album. Okay, wow. How, how weird is that? Did you immediately know when you put it on? No. Okay. Because Maybe Steely Dan was not on my radar. It was a 70s band. I was an 80s kid, you know? Even though I was listening to Pink Floyd, um, Pink Floyd is timeless to me. Yeah. You know? But um, with this one, I heard on the radio, I heard New Frontier. Okay. What a crazy song to be popular in the 80s. Yeah. This is... 50s and 60s jazz and didn't even feel like 50s 60s jazz but it had that weird synthesized and goes along just smooth and the cover you know is it's got him you know smoking a cigarette in an old time smoking a chesterfield is that oh yeah which he, uh, he mentions in there yeah he does yeah and a uh, couple of times i i go to chesterfield kings yeah well true romance have you ever seen that hmm Oh man, I know it. I know the movie, um, but I have, I don't think I've ever Christopher seen Christopher Walken, Dennis Hopper. Uh, yeah, I mean it is an incredible movie. Yeah, and there's a, there's a there's an iconic scene where Christopher Walken and Dennis Hopper are having words, mm -hmm. and they both pretty much know how this is going to go down. And, and yeah. to start the scene off, Christopher Walken says can I interest you in a Chesterfield and Dennis yeah. Hopper declines. Yeah. And then a few, few bars later into the conversation and now it's real clear how this is going to end. And he, yeah. uh, he mind if I get one of those Chesterfields Chester now? <laughs> <laughs> well, and they were, I, I, they were iconic for a time. Yeah. Absolutely. So now I, what's it, what was it? It was, um, what was the movie? True romance. True romance. Okay. Uh, Brad young, Brad Pitt is in it. Uh, oh, it's wow. a Tarantino. Oh, is uh, it really? Uh, Balky. Uh, Bronson Pinchot from Bronson Perfect, Pinchot, yeah, Perfect from, Strangers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, like Sean and uh, Chris Penn, like every time you, the scene changes, you're, you're like, somebody. Jeez, this yeah. guy too. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I get, is I'm surprised I haven't. Watch. It's so good. Yeah. So Brad Pitt is a stoner. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah it kind of fits. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't know that it was, you know, I'd obviously heard Steely Dan, but it wasn't on my radar. I just, I had this, but I'd heard New Frontier mm. and I, I bought this. So, um, what I'm trying to remember is, and I'm pretty sure I had this album before I had the CD. Okay. Um, what was the year? What'd you say the year was it came out? 82. Yeah. Okay. So I would have had the album before. Um, I heard that song, loved it. And it, of the songs on there, it all has that jazzy feel, which was so out of the ordinary. It, being, it was fairly popular. I mean, obviously, it wasn't top of the charts type popular, but right. it was obviously Grammy award winning type popular, but odd to be on pop radio, you know, the radio uh, at the yeah. time. Yeah, especially with the feel of well, it. Well, that's but, what, you know, I think the track listing uh, in the streaming service had an asterisk by that one and by one. And I'm like, there were two tracks on this that were like maybe yeah. popular um, enough probably to be getting radio play uh new frontier was definitely yeah. on there yeah. um igy maybe yeah, that's international yeah. geophysical yeah yep. i had to look that up figure out what it was because a lot of times when it was the music to me it wasn't about the meaning or the background or anything like that i just liked the music yeah um i, I still do that to this day i kind of don't necessarily want to know the whole feeling behind it um but but this is another one of those that I would listen to all the way through. Um, they, oh, they're all good. Fantastic. Um, um, Walk Between the Raindrops, it was kind of a doo-wop kind of thing going on. Um, Goodbye Look, same thing. Ruby Baby, Maxine. 
Um, but New Frontier was the key. It was the one that um, that reeled you in. That reeled me in. Yeah. And I had it. So when um, when I was in high school, I bought my first CD player, and that I I, I kind of wish I had it, but. I hawked it in college so mm. I could go to spring break. Yeah. So I traded it for experience, even though I'd really like to have my CDP 101 back. Right. Um, but the I bought um, the CD player. I got it from Audio Electronics at 95th and Knoll. Yeah. One of the only places that had CD players at the time and CDs, almost all classic classical music, but they had... Um, uh, the Eurythmics. Oh, wow. Sweet Dreams. Yeah. And they had The Nightfly. Okay. And those were the first two CDs I bought. I bought them when I bought the CD player. Nice. And over the course of the next year, I would play that for people. I had no idea what a CD was. Hmm. Um, I, I had saved a, a, my money for another audio component and um, loved the look of the reel, the reel. Mm. Um, which were get were kind of popular for nostalgic reasons and thought that and when the CD player came out I got to have one. Yeah. So when I would play a CD, people go, I don't know what CD. What is that thing? And I I'd, I'd put it in. I used this one as a reference because New Frontier in and of itself is so clear, and um, close to the end of it, it they actually have a cowbell hit. As okay. it's going through, and that's all it is. It's just got the, this this little kind of hazy, do 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 do, you know that, mm -hmm. and they're just barely playing it in the background, and they're hitting that cowbell, and I'd play a CD, and be like, oh, what is it, you know? And I say, okay, this is this is as clear as it gets. There is no friction on this. This is all digital um, audio, and it is the cleanest sound you've ever heard. And I will play you this song so you can understand. And I'd have four speakers set up in my dorm room <laughs> with this thing turned up and would get to that part and I'd say just close your eyes sure. and realize it feels like there's somebody standing right behind you hitting a cowbell. I think I think I came across uh, maybe multiple mentions of this being like the first album that was recorded um I mean, some something in the neighborhood of, of what you're talking about, like, like it was all, an early all, rock all one that was digital, all digital, like made then. I mean, yeah, which sort of tra tracks to me, and yeah. to me, Steely Dan have always been like, uh, I, in my mind, uh, like cutting edge, smart guys of, that yeah. that can groove. Yeah, you know. Oh or, yeah, or maybe they're guys that can groove their and they just books. happen to be yeah. smart. Yeah, yeah, but uh, and and maybe a little bit ahead, like, hey, we're gonna. We're going to try some new stuff. Now, think about that. You're, you're trying to have this gritty, old, jazzy kind of thing, but you want it as clean as can be, which is now a little contradictory. Now everybody's going back to vinyl because of the imperfections yeah. in it. You know, that, I mean, that cool kind of interesting, you know, the tube amplifiers and the popping right. and, and all that stuff. And it is. It's kind of nostalgic. It's kind of cool. But I will take this, this LP on a CD any day for that song at that time. Nice. It's just so cool to hear it. And they just... <laughs> and it finishes the song that way. There's just a, this little organ in the back. 
it's good and stuff. it just sort of fades off yeah and i loved it for that and people would understand it was it, they could understand what i saw in it and they're like oh my lord it sounds like somebody's standing next to me just, right just tapping that cowbell all you know <laughs> you know and you got to make the cowbell reference of course yeah of course and you mean, already we, mentioned Chris Christopher Christopher Walken, Walken, so. yeah. <laughs> so i got a fever oh yeah <laughs> got a fever well uh for some reason uh wish you were here from 75 into the night fly in 82 made sense to me uh and uh where we go next threw me for a little bit of a loop which is a four-year leap ahead to 1986, licensed to ill, Beastie yeah. Boys. Beastie Boys, yeah. First record, debut record of eight total. They put out 13 songs, 44 minutes. Let's talk Beasties. Oh, so um, yeah, I, I talked about how I had my 10 favorite songs. Yeah. Um, um, it was hard to pick the one off of this one. Mm. This is another one that I could listen all the way through, even though... I didn't necessarily like every track. Uh, Nightfly, loved every track. Wish You Were Here, love every track. I'll still listen to some of them. But the weird thing was, it was the popular ones that were my least favorite. No, the ones that never got the love or the the coolest beats or the coolest hooks. They they really did. Um, But, um, and there again, it's another one of those that kind of flows through. Um, They seemed at the time almost like it was satirical. Like they were, it was, they, you know, they were almost laughing at themselves. <laughs> um, but um, I'm trying to remember the song that I had. Oh, I know it was. The song I had on the list was Paul Revere. Oh, man. Paul Revere is a story in and of itself. I mean, it just is. How does that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where they, they play that yeah. and it almost sounds like they're backtracking yeah. or yeah. they're scratching or something like that. And it's a, it's a cool story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and other instruments in that. So, um, and uh, so the the whole thing, I loved it all. But uh, "Fight for Your Right to Party" was the was the first one, and of I was like, "Oh, that's kind of cool." And yeah. I get that. And of course, music videos were big, so that was a good video. Um, "No Sleep Till Brooklyn" was good. Um, she's you know, and then but it was the other tracks, these these crazy tracks where they were just she's just crafty kind of, she's crafty uh hold it now rhyming and stealing yeah rhyming and stealing and they and they did um they 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 kind of flowed from one to the other sometimes they do it enough uh it was hard to tell when one song that ended little piece it. if it was the start of the next right. one or if That's, it was it's like that that same with the conversation wish you were here yeah does that so but the um uh the paul revere one was on my and it probably still is just because it's just a fun story yeah it sounds satirical old kind of you can picture the old wild west is yeah there, talking about it you know <laughs> is uh, that the one that has uh uh i ran into mga i said howdy he, he said, said hi, hi. <laughs> yeah it's like what, what yeah are we, are we yeah it was like they're just throwing things yeah. out like okay we gotta make like sure there's yeah, a it's saloon just, yeah you, we're either yeah, in and they always or? do like you had to do in the 80s when you're rapping and they still kind of do it now you have to say your names yeah. over and over yeah. you know mike d mca yep. yeah and they'll say their real names you know add me out and they're just yeah. all through there they're just saying it but i remember watching and this is horrible like in the 90s or something there was like some cheerleader competition on ESPN hmm. and they just this national cheerleader competition and they have all this music. I'm like, well, this is kind of cool. And they're playing all this wild music. And one of the groups 
used a sample and they'd always use little pieces of different songs and they were always upbeat and do all this and they used the part from uh paul revere really yes so they're you know cheerleaders they're up and they're down and they're flying and they're doing all this and they have all these props and they're throwing things out and and they all come out and a bunch of them have wiffle ball bats and they're like oh no and they're swinging the bat and they use the line from that did it like this did Did it it like like that that. did it yeah that's right yeah and i'm thinking well you missed the point of that (laughs) and i thought in a really Uh, bad way and i thought it was the funniest thing and i'm like a quarter beer and re-listen yeah 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 just really need to figure out somebody was choreographing they said wiffle ball bat we could use wiffle ball bats maybe you should hear the same song easy prop Woo. That's yeah, funny. that was rough. I saw that and just laughed, and I always remember that. I just thought that was kind of funny, but but I I um I loved this uh, this CD, and I bought it on cassette first. Yep, same. Um, had it later on CD just because, and it I I always thought it was funny the uh, um if the the CD which you know the CD has this on the front and has the the crashing part of it right on the back yeah whereas the cassette has the whole thing, right? Because you could see it, but it has the call letters on it. You know that one, the call letters. Call letters on the on the. I don't. I don't know that I do. What? Yeah, the call letters on the on the back of the of the plane. Oh, what? call letters are three M T A three. Three M T A three. If you put it in a mirror, it says "Eat me." Ah, nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I thought three M T. Oh, I know what that says. <laughs> Yep, it says eat me backwards, nice. in it, but or in a mirror is right. what it is. So that's I like just, uh, eight thousand or eight eighty thousand fifty eight on a calculator. Yeah, boobs, boobs. Yeah, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. You add it up and yeah. say, yeah, it's boobs. Yeah, but that was um, when I did the my ten favorite songs. Mm. I was in the studio ninety six five, and they're asking me about them and they're just they're just songs they're doing this and everything and i was thinking this and i said i got into rap stuff and i was into this one and the the dj asked me he said uh so did you get into like break dancing and all that stuff and i go no i wasn't a break dancer you know i was just this was kind of the rap stuff and i did the funniest part of that was when they played it on the air they played my interview he edited his question out you told me this, I think. So he edited his question out. It sounds like I'm defensive. Like I'm like, oh, but I didn't break dance or anything because nobody prompted me with a question that wow. you could hear. And I thought it was hilarious. That is and hilarious. I think some people would have taken offense to that, but that was hilarious to me. That was like, I'm listening to that going, oh my God. Now it just sounds like I was break dancing all over, but I sounds denied like a, it. Sounds like a thing that you say everywhere you go. Yeah. Hey, you met Jeff? Hey, I'm, I'm not a break I'm dancer. not a break dancer. <laughs> you just, I'm just telling you right now. Right. That's funny. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was very clever. It was it done very well. He's like, you know, he's editing and go, watch this. I'm going to make it sound like he's a break dancer. Yeah. Wow. So. Well, uh, we go from um, uh, License to Ill in 86 uh, up to 1994 uh, to a, a fascinating record that has come up um, quite a bit in, 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 in my life just since starting the podcast. And that's uh, MTV Unplugged in New York, uh, live acoustic in parentheses, yeah, in parentheses Nirvana. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the way that it comes up is typically if I'm having a conversation with somebody 
about the Nirvana studio discography. You know, you've only got uh, Nevermind, Bleach, and in utero, in utero, right? I think um, those are the three. Uh, Incesticide was uh, something after. that was put yeah. together. Yeah, it was put together afterwards. But yeah, you're right. I think that's correct. I think um, really only three. But a lot of times, a lot of of times, uh, people will say um, those are all fantastic for their own reasons. But the best Nirvana ever was Unplugged. Yeah, and I'm, I've heard that you know, half a dozen times, ten times over the last year and a half. Um, But never have I been moved to wanting to put it on and revisit it. So when I did for this. It occurred to me that I've really only heard snippets of it since it came out. Now, when it came out, I heard it a bunch. Yeah, yeah, because they were playing, they were playing that. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it is really, really, really remarkable. It is really good. A lot of uh, interesting things. um, You know, somebody that was on the crew to set the stage up the way that it was. You know, like had we known. Yeah, because it was I think five months. Yeah, after it was very close. Uh, they were like, it's it's that stage should still be set up that way and be yeah. like a yeah, a like a, almost a like a like a museum. But yeah. we didn't know right. um, the 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 cardigan sweater. Yeah, that he's wearing just sold for three hundred thirty four thousand yeah. dollars and hasn't been washed. Yeah, since I mean, um, this it just every single track is is remarkable yeah and it, he's he seems loose like he's having he fun yeah um, which but it was hard to tell at that time it was you know because the, it's the the mental illness thing it's that you put on a happy face but you're struggling because what you're doing is making you popular popularity makes you struggle you know it's the catch-22 of fame well that's all of the, uh, all a couple of the podcasts that I uh, paid close attention to, um, you know, this it comes up a lot, and and um, just this feeling that whatever the level is, whatever the number is, whatever the metric is, that insert you know your own amount of fame and wealth, and it's gonna it's gonna solve everything and it's going to cleanse all this stuff and yeah by and large they all say no it doesn't right it's like okay now i'm now i'm at this level of fame where like i got to think about where i'm going yeah because i don't want to like always be running it or i have you know uh so much money that i could buy and build you know 46 uh aztec yeah (laughs) Yeah, that's right yeah uh, tomorrow if i wanted to right the the stuff in there, none of it's healed. Yeah, none, none, of, none, it's of, it, none of it goes fulfilled, away. Fulfilled, you right. know. Um, so, but um, I'm I'm curious. I mean, I'm, you know, I know I know. Never mind, like the back of my hand. I know in yep. utero pretty well. Bleach and incesticide are a little too harsh and aggressive for me, which yeah. is not. That's just my. It's not to say that they're yeah, lesser. It was, it was very different. Um, so, like. What is your relationship with those three or four records, and then this one? Like, are they? I mean, it's oh, very much together. Yeah, it's yeah. Still so they were all a piece of it. It was just that that was there. It was again with albums. So I love all the albums. Um, 
Nevermind obviously brings it in. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I read an, I read a deal, um, not too long ago that in June, the year before, um, they played a festival or something like that. Kind of like, I, I kind of equate it with like a place like Boulevardia. Mm. Have you ever been to that where you have yeah. your, your two or three headliners, but it really, you've got five stages and you have all these lower bands. There used to be one called the Horde Fest here. Oh, horizons of rock developing everywhere. Yeah. That's so, where Fish, is that what that, is that what Horde means? I have no idea. I have a CD of those too. And fish, I, Blues Traveler, Widespread Panic, Big Head Todd. Uh, really? It's the jam bands. The yeah. birth of the jam band scene. Okay. I mean... So, Beyond the Grateful Dead. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, um, and I went to one here and heard a great band that obviously got signed, but never got really popular, a band called Emmett Swimming. I heard him out there and I love it. I have a couple of CDs from them. Huh. Just really cool, but never really hit the mainstream. Um, but those, um, I guess Nirvana played at one in June of one year and like, Two or three weeks later, never, never mind. You know, smells like Teen Spirit hit oh and just went skyrocket. Yeah. So they played the same festival the next year as the headliner. Wow. They went from, I mean, in one year's time. I mean, obviously it happened quicker than that, but I, uh, that that's a cool kind of story of being one of those. That's 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 cool. It's also a lot. Yeah. Probably, especially for, in for a them. short period of time for them to be like, oh, what I mean, you know. Yeah, to absorb that. Yeah. I just yeah. can't imagine. Especially when, like you said, if they were in that frame of mind of this this is what we want. We want to we want to have that hit. And maybe they did, maybe they didn't. I, I always felt like um Dave Grohl and Chris Novoselic always wanted that. And I don't know them. I've only what I've read. You don't know if any of it's right. true. But they were probably one of those and maybe deep down, you know. Kurt was like, I just love playing music. Right. And then all of a sudden that hits and everything goes crazy. So you just have to fall into it. Yeah. And which was, you know, his inevitable demise, you know, it was just overpowering and maybe it was him saying, yeah, maybe this will fix everything, but it just doesn't. Wow. Um, but just really powerful. But that one, it's more so than just the, uh, the CD itself. Oh, you do have it. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Strangely, I, I, I know where most of mine are. Right. Um, but the I also <laughs> tells you how long I've had some of this stuff. I have a laser disc of this as well. Nice. I'm an old Pioneer laser disc that I played on, and it plays the whole. And so you see the visuals, and there's a lot of really interesting things on it. Um, the um, the very first, it, it, and it's the banter between that really makes it for me. Mm. It's everything even over and above the songs. Because if you hear the song on the radio or if you play it on Spotify or on Amazon, you don't get the banter. No, and there's a, lot, there's a, fair, there's a healthy amount of there, genuine it is, laughter. It is. Right? Yeah, there is. It's the conversations between and why they're doing it and what's going on. Everything's there. Some of the other musicians, um, and to see it visually, I, I see that again and I, I go back to it and I look at it and watch the video of it. If you watch it in its entirety and you look at all those people in the audience had no idea what was going to happen right. within a few months. Right. And, and they're just, just absorbed in how orchestral because they, they throw in, you know, some cellos and, and a little bit of an orchestra in some of them, but there's a very poignant statement that Kurt makes at the very beginning of it before he plays about a girl. 
What does he say? He says, because I think that's the one off Bleach. Okay. And Bleach was their very first album. And he says, this is off our first album. Most people don't own it. And he plays it. And it's like, it was like, oh, cool. Oh, yeah, I, I reckon. And you have this weird smattering of applause because it takes a minute for them to recognize it. Oh, yeah. Because they start yeah. playing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and that. But everything. But that one is very slow to pull. And he's right. At that point in time, everybody was listening to Nevermind. And right. that's it. You know, that's all it was. But it's that cool, you know, Kurt Cobain. Eh. This is off her first right. album. Most people don't own it. And if you've ever heard the the uh, the line um, about that song, about a girl, where that came from, Dave Grohl tells the story and says they were someplace sitting. He walked into, into a room and Kurt's playing the song. Mm. He's playing da 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 and going through this thing. And, and uh, Dave says... Uh, What's that? What's that song? He goes, nah, it's about a girl. <laughs> that's the, that's where the title comes it. from. I love Which it. Which means I'll bet there weren't lyrics yet. Right. And then they came. Yeah. And it's just that progression of how an artist comes up with lyrics, mm. usually well after they've come up with the hooks and the licks and right. the, the chord progressions and all that, which is just, just, just at an, on an intellectual level, I just can't comprehend. Yeah a creative and intellectual level that I just can't. Well, I don't think it's meant to be comprehended because it happens differently for everybody. Yeah. Right. I think so. Every artist or, but uh, yeah, that's why everything's so different. Um, but to, to listen to this all the way through on the, on the video, when you watch it, um, some of the highlights, the, um, um, on a plane is good. Mm -hmm. Of course, where did you sleep last night? Which is a cover of an old, which I didn't even know who that was. Lead belly. I had to look back at that one. I don't know who that was, but when he's just screaming the lyrics, is just so moving and, and heart wrenching. But um, uh, David Bowie's "Man Who Sold the World," not heard the song until after I heard this one. Right, and I went back and had to hear that yeah. one. And there's another one of those songs that are good for different reasons yeah. for different people. Um, but my favorite one on here, and I had to look, and I know what it was. It's Penny Royalty. Oh. I have no idea what that's about. No idea. I, it's got to be a drug reference. <laughs> I think some of it is. I don't know. But my um. favorite part of it is when you watch the video or you listen for the whole thing with all the banter, he says, um, am I going to play this by myself? And you can tell they weren't going to do it that way. And so he basically says, I'm going to play it by myself and I'm going to play it in, uh, I think he says E. Yeah. I'm going to play it in E, which is higher than every other version of it. And uh, if it doesn't work, I'll just start over and these people are going to have to wait. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is so cool. It's just like, it they is laugh. the reality. And he laughs. He's like, eh, I was just going to have to wait. Yeah. Um, and he starts playing it and, and it is. It's almost too high and he struggles to hit because now he gets... Yeah. and he's stretching to get to it and he plays it all the way through for somebody to do that and i, I reference my son being able to just instantly sure. transpose on that i look at this and i go i'm gonna play it knee <laughs> let's see if it works right? and if it doesn't then these people are just gonna have to wait and i'm gonna yeah. start over yeah. it's just the way it is so 
And I love that. And I, and I always loved that about him. That was just kind of that way. Um, and, but they're all good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great so track. That was it. And all of their stuff was good. And I have some weird, I have some, um, some odd bootleg stuff, oh, sure. odd concerts they have on CD, some weird stuff. Um, um, Polly mm. on this one, which is a dark yeah. kind of minor key version of it. And if you've ever heard some early stuff when they were playing in clubs, and I have some bootleg stuff that is, you know, stuff that is probably totally illegal, burned CDs right. that are, um, and it was, uh, there's a punk rock poly. Oh. And it is fast. And it's, you know, I heard it and I'm like, oh, yeah, I know what that is. You know, it's like, he is just, just grungy as can be, just punk rocking it wow. out. Just, and it's, oh, it's fast and it is really pretty cool. So nice. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, the fifth and final spot um, is uh, probably no surprise to you, a first-time uh, appearance mm-hmm. here on the pod. Yep. Uh, America, a tribute to heroes, various artists, 2001, 21 tracks, 91 minutes, a uh, huge list of artists uh, and speakers, uh, just a few highlights from the artist list, Bruce Springsteen, Stevie Wonder, U2, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Neil Young, doing imagine yeah beautifully on the piano yep alicia keys billy joel dave matthews cheryl crow willie nelson many more uh the timeline of this uh blew me away and i hope i have this right but it looks like it was recorded just a week or two after 9 11 and then and then once it was recorded they turned around and got it out yeah another week or two later right like all of it i think happened within september it was really close um i you know, all all but forgotten that this was made. Yeah. Uh, tell me about it. Okay. So when they came out with it, you know, 9-11, especially for even our lifetime, that was a, a major, That that's as big as it gets. That's, yeah. that's you know, in, in other generations, that's a, that's a, that's Pearl a, Harbor. Yeah, that's a Pearl Harbor. That's Gettysburg, a yeah, it, yeah. That's true. It, it just is. Um, there was so much revolved around that, and there again, um, you have these people with this incredible talent that just want to bring to the forefront, and they had this huge telethon, and that was part of the telethon were these songs that people brought out, and they were odd versions that they hadn't done they may have been there's a couple of there's at least one song that had not been released oh wow um and then was released later that they were probably working on um uh, tom petty played um um won't back down i think that's the the track that he played on there and if you watch him sing that it is it doesn't sound like the full moon fever it is not it is he is pissed and he is, I mean, he is glaring into the camera. Just, this is not, I just, because at that time, we have no ha- answers. We just have speculation of why, you know, 9-11 happened. And he's not pissed that he's there doing no, that song. No, he is pissed, pissed at, at that why happened. that happened. Um, just, I mean, he he has this look. He has his head tipped and he's looking directly into the camera of just just this total just he's just pissed yeah and a lot of you know 
the other ones were, you know, Stevie Wonder starts his with a beautiful line about um, being a Muslim, mm. going, you know, uh, a thing about, you know, because he wants to, he wants people to understand this isn't about that religion. This is this is an extremist group. This is something that happens. It is not about being a Muslim. Um, so he makes that one and has this. Um, well, of course, Stevie Wonder. So he yeah. has this beautiful rendition of a song he's done before. Um, Bruce Springsteen. Um, Billy Joel's, uh, he does New York State yeah, of New Mind. Yeah, New York State of Mind. First oh. time I'd really ever heard that. But oh, see, it's, really? Yes. Okay. Because I was never a big Billy Joel fan. Oh, okay. Um, but you hear that, there again, go back and listen to the other. But that version of it, um, basically saying, you know, I'm here for you. Yeah. Um, but um, Neil Young's Imagine. Ugh. Alicia Keys. Just, oh, yeah. I mean, there were all beautiful renditions. But this was one of the last ones I thought of for albums. And I realized how much of an emotional impact this album has. I, I have trouble talking about it. Oh, wow. I love listening to it. Um, you can imagine what my favorite track is. And it's by somebody that I don't really like. Oh. It's Wish You Were Here. There's a cover of Wish You Were Here on there? Yep. Oh, I did see that. And it's, and it's Fred Durst. <laughs> but he's accompanying. I'm with you now. It's, I'm with he's you accompanying. Now. Um, and I'm trying to remember his name. It's the lead singer of the Goo Goo Dolls. Oh, yeah. And uh, they do Wish You Were Here. And they, they change. Yeah. They change the lyrics um, a little bit to fit. And they were, you know, in, in between, if you watch the video, in between there's celebrities talking about, you yeah. know, what's going on. Yeah. So as it, as it goes through, but the CD is, it just does it. So it's on here. Uh, John uh, Resnick okay. of the Goo Goo Dolls with, with members of Limp Biscuit, which is Fred Durst and um, I'm trying to remember the other guy who was the guitar it, player. But it is a, it is a, it's just a beautiful version of that song, and we're going back to right. how powerful that song was. Um, but um, uh, Dave Matthews' "Every Day," which oh, is a good song, anyway. It is. A, um, it's also a really good video. Yeah, have you seen the video? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, where he's standing up there, and it's just totally acoustic yeah, well, guitar. But so, I mean the the studio version. No, I don't know that I. Oh, dude. Okay. Okay. So do you know who Judah Friedlander is? I do. He's a goofy looking, maybe New Yorker. He's yeah. Like Stand up comic. Yes, I know now. Trucker hat. Trucker hat and big, the yeah. thick glasses yes. and long hair. Yes. Yeah. The video starts. Uh, he's in bed. His yeah. alarm goes off and he just sits up. He puts on his yeah. hat and shoes and his whole day is just following, approaching strangers and asking if he can give them a hug. And he oh, gets really? every single kind of response you could imagine. Oh, yeah. People that are moved to tears, people that want to fight him. Yeah. Every, and then as the day ends, the song is ending, and he's taking off his hat and getting back in bed. And yeah. Like, that's what he does. Which is obviously what I'm going to do when we leave here, because <laughs> I'm going to check that out. Oh, dude, it's so but, good. Oh, that's funny. It's awesome. But the, but the, the song itself in this version, even the video, mm. it's just Dave Matthews, acoustic guitar just belting it out yeah which pouring is a, out his soul so with uh, as a side note um and i love telling people this story um i listened to dave matthews perform live from my deck in front of my house so dave matthews is one of those 
philanthropic kind of guys, likes to raise money for charities, do all this stuff. When he came to town years ago, I can almost pinpoint the date, would have been, I, I think it would have been late 90s. Okay. Um, and I live in Western Shawnee. Um, we live cross street from a park, but we live where I can, I can look out over Mid-America softball fields. Oh. Um, he did a celebrity softball tournament to raise money for cool. a cause, and then they did a little concert. And I happened to be working on my deck that summer. I could sit on my deck and listen to Dave Matthews nice. play live. Nice. Crazy hot day. They only played two songs. Like somebody passed out in the audience, and he's like, nope, we're done. We, it's just too hot. Yeah. Can't do it. Yeah. But I did. I got to listen to Dave Matthews That's live. Cool. There's not many people that can say that, and I just thought it was the, the coolest thing. I, could, I literally could stand there and watch them, and I'm like a good quarter mile away but they were playing to where it was like, oh, I'm just sitting here working on my deck. Right. I'm listening to Dave right. Matthews. But I was trying to remember some of the other ones. Safe and Sound by Sheryl Crow was a really good one. Oh, yeah. Uh, Fragile by Sting. Mm. So um, I'm a big police fan, mm -hmm. big Sting. And yet none of them really made the cut because there's songs off of ones that I like. And I think I did. I cut one. You, you cut... You cut it uh, was, Every breath you take, the singles. Yeah, that one. Yeah, uh, every breath you take, the singles, which is, which is a greatest hits. That one. It's kind of a greatest hits. And then I was reading up on it, why they did it, which was it, one of the few times I actually read up on it because I thought that was really weird. Um, but it was a remake of uh, they had um, a couple of um, oh, don't stand so close to me. Mm. They redid that one, which okay. sounded very similar, but it was from right. the original one. But it was right at the time where. They were not getting along. Oh. They needed to put out a, a an LP. Synchronicity. They, oh, yeah. They recorded yeah. privately. Yeah. And they were yeah. never and in the room never together. Never in the room together, yep. Also, another good album. Right. Um, actually, good. I have that album signed by Sting. Nice. Um, I bought it. <laughs> I didn't, I've never met Sting. Right. Um, one of the most interesting characters, people sure. in the world, I think. Very intelligent, just incredible. Um I heard a uh, a quote by, and I, I can never remember if it was Branford Marsalis or Wynton Marsalis, and he said, what, it was one of the two of them, and somebody asked him, because he, they would, uh, he was recording with Sting, and they go, what's it like recording with Sting? And he goes, here's, here's, here's recording with Sting in a nutshell. We're on a plane flying wherever, I think from Europe to the U.S. or something like that, and they're going to do a recording. And on the plane ride, Sting looks at me and says, hey, you know what would be fun? We should do this song in 11-4 time. Let's try to do that. <laughs> I don't even know. And the... And the uh, I can't imagine. Imagine? Okay. Sonically, yeah. what that time signature was. So if I told you what I'm pretty sure the song they were talking about, because I can't remember if it's Winton or Branford that plays the saxophone. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I know what song he's talking about because it would have come on after that. It was probably when they were arranging this and trying to do it. And he's like, why would you want to do that? It's Englishman in New York. Mm. They never said it, but there's a really strong sax um, solo on it. And it's this long, especially when the song starts, it's this just this long drawn out. You know, the saxophone thing. But right in the middle of it, it goes haywire. Oh, really? 
and you cannot keep time. Then it goes back to four four time. It was like, what the hell just happened? It's got to be that song. And it was like, I just thought that was funny. But, but I've always been a big fan of Sting. Um, most everybody I know, all my good friends, the people that I know, I have a song associated with them. Mm. It, it'll change periodically. Sure. But there's just certain songs. So my wife asked me, she goes, did my song make it? To your top 10? To my for top, KKFI. for my, well, it made it for, um, it made it in my top 10, but it didn't make it for this oh, okay. because it's one of the few songs on an album that, um, but it is on that, that singles one. I so think what it is was it? every little breath she takes. Okay. Okay. So, um, and it does everything. Every little thing she does is magic. That's it. So, oh, right. um, and it is on this one, but it's a, it's a remake, but right. this one has so many good songs. Oh yeah. Um, but that's, that's hers. But I, I just have, there's just, People have a song, and it's a sure. song that I listen to. I'll listen to it in its entirety, and when I hear that song, I think of them. Nice. So just, it's just one of those those things. But And I've seen Sting in concert, nice. and um, we went and saw them, um, him and Tracy Chapman out at oh, Sandstone, cool. which was really cool. That would be a little, bit, little while ago. Yeah, 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 that was a brand new day tour. Okay, okay, um, yeah. So... Well, we um, talked, yeah. we talked, uh, so we've covered your five that made the list and, mm -hmm. and, and of your four that didn't dark side was one, right? The police, every breath you take the singles, right. uh, Sergeant peppers. Yeah. Made the list until it didn't until it didn't. So Sergeant peppers until after we talked, I had never listened to it all the way through. Oh, wow. Okay. But it made a, it, it was an impact kind of album for me because, and I mentioned earlier, I, when I started collecting albums and records, I was collecting um, particularly colored vinyl, mm. um, uh, colored vinyl die cuts and picture discs. Wow. So that was just a thing that I got into. They were, they were rare. They were different. They were something fun to do. Um, of, and I have almost all my collection to this day, most of them were bought at uh, Village Records here in Shawnee. Sure. Um, Tying it back to that community. Yeah. Yeah. It was just one of those things. I knew Bill and Tony that ran it. Um, I think I told you the story. Robert, that used to work there, he comes to the theater still. Nice. He's, yeah. does this, he's an incredible photographer, by the way. Um, not, his, not his main line of work. He just takes amazing pictures. Cool. And I met him one day, and when I saw him, I'm like, I knew his name was Robert, and then my brother said something. I guess, yeah, from remember he was at Village Records for years. I'm like, oh yeah, that's Robert, same guy. So anyway, um, but my colored vinyls, picture discs, um, all that, um, Beatles loved to put out picture discs and colored vinyls. Um, I have a white white album. Nice. I have the the blue. I have the greatest hits. The the blue. I have the red. Um, I've got, um, I have this, an early one called the Silver Beatles, hmm. has Pete Best on it, hmm. and it's a picture disc. Weird. Remember, remember Pete Best? Nope. Their original drummer. Oh. Who at one time lived here in Kansas City. Oh, I've wow. been to his house, as a matter of fact, just offhandedly. Somebody said, that, that's Pete Best's house. I mean, he's the original drummer for wow. the Beatles. Pete Best had one of the, one of the craziest lines. Somebody said, ooh, how do you feel? You know, and then right after you left, they got really popular. And I believe he was the one that said, maybe it's because I left, you know, like, 
maybe they wouldn't have been as popular. Like he got it. It was like, oh, I missed out on that. Right. Yeah, maybe uh, you know, but I did him a favor. Maybe maybe I did him a favor. Um, but he, you know, he'll he probably point out too. He's like, I did fine. Um, but super nice guy. But um, Sergeant Pepper's was one of the odd ones that they had all these different versions of a picture disc. Mm. So I would find them every once in a while. I'd go to record shows and do this. So my brother and I go to a record show one time, and I'm looking for picture discs. I'm looking for odd vinyls, die cuts, whatever. And I come across a Sergeant Pepper's one. And I pull it out, and I look at it, and I'm like, I don't think I have this one. And on it is a sticker, and they, they made them in different countries, and they did all this. But this one was made, and it was stickered from West Germany. Mm. And I'm like... And it had different pictures on it than the ones before that I'd had. And I go, I don't think I have this one. And at the time, I wasn't thinking of it being in West Germany because now it would just be listed as Germany. Right. But that's at the time. No kidding. That's what it was. So before, I just thought it was kind of interesting. So I'm, before I'm the like, wall came down. Yeah. Right? And I'm, yeah. And so I'm trying to decide. I'm thinking, I'm pretty sure I don't have this. I'm going to buy this album. So I buy it. And I'm walking around this, this show and picking up some other albums. So I'm walking up and I see my brother and I'm going to go up and he's talking to somebody. And as I walk up, I see the guy talking to my brother who was standing right behind me when I bought the Sergeant Pepper's album. And he's telling my brother this story about this kid that bought a, this record no right way. in front of him. Bruce Young. He's our partner in the oh theater. Oh my gosh. First time I met so Bruce. Wild. First time I met Bruce. Wow. And, uh, cause Bruce is going, yeah, he goes, he had this great Sergeant Peppers. He buys it right in front of me. There he is. And Chris goes, that's my brother. I'm like, okay. You can't make that and stuff up. I know. It's just weird. And I'm like, <laughs> and when I say something to people, I go, Bruce, you remember when we met? He goes, yeah, I think, oh, I remember now. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so I just, that was one of the things I gravitated to because I had a lot of versions of it. Sure. But like I said, and you can probably see in that album, I rarely played them. I'd play them. And my picture discs are all sealed. I just, I kept them because I enjoyed collecting yeah. them. But uh, I didn't, I hadn't played it all the way through. And I had a, uh, a gentleman from a, a band called the True Tones here locally that their, their forte is they, they follow two specific albums. And it is the Beach Boys Pet Sounds. Mm. And Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band. Okay. And they play them in their entirety. First half of their show is one. Second half of their show is the other. Wow. And I told him my story about Sgt. Pepper. said, that's interesting. But that I'd never really listened to it all the way through. And um, so I finally got around to the time. And I did it when I was at the gym. I popped my headphones in. Instead of just popping on my playlist or whatever alternative playlist I'd normally do. Uh, I'm going to listen to these albums. And one day I listened all the way through Pet Sounds. And one day I listened all the way through Sergeant Peppers and I realized how good Sergeant Peppers was. It's just a really good, there it is again. It's a full story all the way through. <clears throat> really kind of interesting. But I've had those albums forever. I even have a weird version that is the Bee Gees from the movie because they were the ones in the movie mm. and they performed some of them during the movie. It's strange. Wow. Because they were the part in the movie that were playing some or whatever and it's a it's some... DJ promotional album, totally blank on the cover, just has a sticker says Weird. says promotional copy, and it almost looks handwritten like a stamp of huh. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. It was just one of my collections. That's why it's it was on there because I had a 
some good story about it. And it's really kind of a neat, as a matter of fact, I just talked to Russ yesterday. Oh, wow. Because I talked to him, I said, I finally listened to it all the way through. And Pet Sounds too. And so we had this really good conversation about the songs on it and the Beatles and all this, how interesting it is to go back now and listen all the way through and listen to some of those. But he said, and there, I told you earlier, I listened this morning, I listened to Magical Mystery Tour. Yeah. It's because when I was talking to Russ yesterday, he said, well, we added one. Now we're playing the Magical Mystery Tour album all the way through. And I go, another album I hadn't. So this morning at the gym, nice. I listened to it all the way through. Very nice. And it has more hits on it than the other ones. But, you know, it was just kind of interesting. So that's why, you know, it was on there. Yeah. The Sergeant Pepper's one, just because I had an emotional tie to sure. it. Sure. Well, um, the, the final made the cut until it didn't, uh, was 1984's R.E.M. Reckoning. Reckoning, yeah. Um, I, I was a big R.E.M. Fan. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I saw them um, on the KU campus at Hoke Auditorium. Nice. Probably cost me five bucks to I see. bet. Yeah. Um, a buddy of mine was in line. I happened to be at the Union, and I ran into him. I go, what are you in line for? He goes, oh, R.E.M.'s coming. I didn't know R.E.M., I'm like, really? Yeah, yeah. It's like five bucks. I'm like, cool. So we just were talking, and I just followed him in line, and I bought a ticket. And I saw R.E.M. Wow. Yeah. When they were really just a college band. But Col reckoning. College dropout yeah. band. Yes. I mean, they were all going to school in Athens and yeah. said, you know what? Yeah, let's, yeah. They had hey, a, I have an idea. They had a ma their manager drove them around in this van, mm -hmm. and they had a $2 per day per diem. Per diem, is that what it was? food. Yeah, for the that sounds like a college kind of thing. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's what you have. But it was a, it was a good album, and to this day, and there's a uh, there's a really good tribute band that comes in here called Begin the Begin, um, and they're an REM. Oh uh, wow, tribute. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, October sixth, they'll be in here. Nice. Um, and uh, they'll be. I think that's the date they're playing with Mystify, which is an in excess tribute oh, cool. band. Oh cool, very nice. They're really good too. Um, but I got I got to talking to. To him about um talk to steve about the uh the rem one and my connection to it he, he kind of had the same kind of thing and and uh and they they are very good at emulating and the, the voice is there and um it was just it's it, it of all of the a lot of the tribute bands that come in here are more from the 70s mm. um and they were you know they were one of our first 80s kind of tribute oh, wow. band and so yeah. i kind of associate with and then when the um, uh, Hip to be Huey was in here with Jeff Zarcone, Mystify opened for them and um, the NXS tribute and they were good they were really good um, but they weren't super um, and then the second time they came in I was, I was sitting in the theater sitting in here with my buddy Doug and he came, came to watch the show and Mystify started playing and they're playing and I'm like wow they're they're just amazing it's just man they really stepped it up and i was videotaping this or i was recording this this show and which i i do a lot of them but i didn't have any footage of theirs and so i was i'm like man he's really set it up my brother tells me later and he goes hey the the lead singer found out you're doing it. he wanted to see if you could send him a copy because it's the first time he, they changed lead singers oh wow and i was like that makes a lot of sense <laughs> because like the, the other guys were good. Well, but it just stepped it. Just up. another former drummer for the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, but it it was. But REM, and I'll admit, like I was telling Steve, I'll admit I have no idea what they're saying. 
Right. I'll sing along with whatever I think they're saying. I mean, South Central Rain and, you know, Don't Go Back to Rockville mm. and all those songs that they sing. I'm like, I have no idea. Right. It's so hard to understand Michael Stipe. Yeah. But I love it. And that, that to me is kind of odd because I, I really like the meaning of lyrics and the song sure. and how it progresses and all this. But, you know, this it's just, it's hooky and it's just. There's something, yeah. uh, the combination of lo-fi and sort of dreariness mm -hmm. has an odd true. appeal yeah. to yeah. it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It was uh, what I would really kind of consider a um, an early version of the grunge, mm. you know, because, you know, this was, you know, mid-80s. Right. That had to have been 84, 85 yeah. when oh, I saw yeah. them up there. Nice. Um, had a ticket to see them at, uh, I think, Memorial or Municipal Auditorium or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, and I skipped out on it because my uh, niece had been born the night before and I missed it and I went right I was going from K-State to visit a friend and I went right straight up and I missed the concert and all my friends that went to the concert said um, it wasn't that great a concert and I'm thinking well they really weren't big REM fans either um, but they said one of the things my, my buddy Ken the one that said something about his girlfriend just liking Amanda mm. um, he went to it and he said what turned him off was Michael Stipe came out on it um, and he said, uh, this next song is, uh, goes out to me. And then he proceeded to sing, uh, the one I love. Okay. He's like, Ooh, yeah. you want to, you want to really make it turn your audience yeah. and make you think, you know, I'm thinking, did he do it ironically uh, he or probably thought he probably thought it was funny, funny, yeah. but it did not go over well. Cause yeah. there was like, what? Uh, okay. Go, yeah. Uh, so. Well, uh, got five funny finishers. Uh, to to wrap and then uh, I got to get home and feed feed a dog and myself. Dog. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, so these are just random. Um, if you get a lunch with anyone alive or dead, who are you picking and why? Uh, anyone alive or dead? Mm -hmm. um, I ooh, that's a good one. Who would I? Anyone? My first. I should just go with my first thought of who I would who would want to. Um, Freud. Sigmund okay. Freud. Fascinating. Sigmund Freud, because, uh, I, I studied psychology, a psychology degree, um, but Freud was, Freud was the man. Twisted and weird, but it just resonated. A lot of things made sense, even yeah. though they were off key. Yeah. Uh, like he was like, I'm just telling you, it doesn't sound right, but this is, you know, you, you're, you know, it was, it was, and I, 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 I still kind of, follow in that i i enjoyed what but i, I enjoyed most anything in psychology sure. his lots to enjoy so it just seems like that would be a nice. crazy interesting conversation no matter what so yeah. uh complete this for me please the world would become an immediately better place in which to live if only um if only hmm more people listen to music. Oh, nice, nice. I mean, nice. It, it just, it always seems that, the, like I said, it's the thing, it's my go-to for create creativity, for, you know, if I'm in a bad mood. Sure. I can go from, you know, just being, and I don't get upset by very many things, but, you know, you're just off, and it's like, man, yeah. it's just doing that, and the, the right song will come on, and you're like, oh, yeah, I like that. 
You know, it's just turn you around. Yep. So, and I don't think everybody gets it. No. I don't think everybody gets me, but it's not their thing. I, I guarantee there's, you know, something about somebody else, but I would think that music seems to, and, you know, I go back to that, that America tribute to heroes. Yeah. You talk about something so powerful. I mean, Willie bringing it all home with America. Oh Beautiful. yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. And, and in, in his own way, yep. you know? Yep. Yeah. So. Uh, you wake up tomorrow and you discover that you have inherited uh, $85 million tax-free. What's your first move? Ooh. First move. Um, well, the theater would look a little nicer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It already looks pretty nice. Yeah, though. but it would, it would definitely uh, rock a little harder, there I suspect. Okay. There, there'd be some of these people on this list that might actually show up here. Nice, nice. So there would definitely be some wasted money. I, I'd probably struggle a little bit with who, who gets the rest because. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pay this guy to take these seats out and then I'm going to pay this guy to put them back, put them back in. <laughs> that's right. And then I'm, and then I've, you know, I, uh, I admire people that with money, that are philanthropic. Yeah, of course that in and of itself is just shouts out to stretch by the way for saying that yeah it just piece. i have so much respect for anyone it yeah. was like the first thing out of his mouth it was like okay well part of this is going to go charity so here's the deals da, da, da. and i'm right. like okay I, I need to go back right. to that that's incredible it shouts out to dave matthews too for doing a yeah thing it, they did. just do and there's so many people that do and it's so inspirational yeah. and they just it, it's just a part of it and i thought if i ever had that kind of money right. i think the the part that would hurt me the most is how I couldn't fix everything. I know, right? You know? Right. And the, and I think that's one of the big things, you know, if you look back, you know, you know, people get stupid. They think the money's never ending and they lose a lot of money. But right. most people will say the people that after they won the lottery aren't as happy as they were before. I think that's, I, I like to believe that that's one of the biggest struggles is mm. you have so much money, but you still can't help everybody. Right. That, that'd be the biggest struggle, but... You are gifted with the opportunity to visit yourself at any age in the past of your choosing. So what age are you choosing? Are you saying something to yourself? And if so, what? Uh, um, I feel like I could visit my, myself, um, at any time in my 20s mm. and just say trust your gut i like it it'll be it'll be right cool um uh, I, I i've been very fortunate um i used to think that i was lucky mm. interesting and yeah i i did i was i was extremely lucky and when I really thought about it, I felt more like I was fortunate. The times that you think, and I've, I had the discussion about how um, I feel like a lot of times um, when um, you feel like people are doing something to you mm. and you realize they were doing something for you. Oh, wow. Um, so I look back and I don't, I feel like if I were to say something or change something, um, I, I'm not complaining about where I am. I have been very fortunate, um, but I don't chalk it up to luck. Right. I've just, um, 
the things that I felt like maybe I did wrong, if I were to go back and say, hey, you need to do this differently, I feel like it might throw off the chain. Um, the way things were yeah. supposed to happen. Yeah, unfold. like maybe it was it was supposed to be that way. Right. My, uh, my um, what was it? I said, you know, like the way I met my wife, I met her because I was dating a girl in college that when we broke up, um, somebody that she knew I met through her, I dated her for a while and somebody she knew I met through her <laughs> and somebody that she met, I met my wife. There you go. And somebody said, what are you, what, what would you have done if you wouldn't have met like those first or that wouldn't work out? And I said, it doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter. It worked out the way my, that it uh, did. No, but not only that, um, I would have met my wife no matter what. Mm. I really feel that way. Wow. It could have changed any of those little pieces. And I would have said, oh, well, what if you didn't meet that person? It wouldn't have mattered. Hmm. I think I still would have met her. I think I've been very fortunate that way. Cool. Everything just sort of lined up. Nice. But I think if it was a little different, it would still line up. That's why I go back to just trust your gut. Right. Do what you think you need to do. Maybe do a little bit more diligently. But <laughs> sure. But why? I yeah. mean, it's just... Everything will be there. You'll be fine. Well, last but not least, as we sit here uh, from the stage of the Aztec Shawnee Theater mm -hmm. with Jeffrey Calkins, um, true or false, it is okay to wear the T-shirt of the band whose show you're going to, to the show. Ooh. And, and by the way, this does not... Yeah. Count. You bought it at the merch stand at the show and threw it on in the bathroom. You but left, if you're you, going you, to see the band, you put it on at the and house. You have the shirt, but you're going to see them. Um. No. <laughs> no. Yes. You don't wear the <laughs> Thank shirt. Thank you. Thank you. I I just don't get it. And I have a good shirt story. Okay. Um. A buddy of mine. The, the one that I cut in line with him to get the REM, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it was him, and I may have this story messed up, but he was, um, he went to a concert one time, and he was a much bigger music fan at the time, big, bigger concert goer, you know, like I said, you know, when I said my first real rock concert was Steve Miller, I didn't go to a lot of concerts. Mm. I, I just didn't. Sure. Um, REM, Steve Miller, <laughs> Chuck Mangione, um, it's, I, there really weren't a lot of them. I just wasn't a concert where I just loved music. Um, he went to a concert one time and he wore an Aerosmith shirt. He's just wearing his Aerosmith shirt. It wasn't an Aerosmith concert. It was some other concert, but he wore, he wore an Aerosmith shirt. When he was walking through there, he was in the you know, the walking in or whatever. Some guy came up to him and says, man, I like your shirt. I'll trade you shirts. And the guy was wearing some other rock band shirt or something like that. Mm. And he said it was kind of cool. And he's like, sure. So they switched shirts. <laughs> he just switched shirts with him. He gives him his Aerosmith shirt. And, um, and I remember him wearing his because he didn't wear it anymore because he'd given it away to this guy. But he had this cool story about it because he said um, he was there with a group and the Whatever band, I don't even remember what the band was playing, but obviously it wasn't Aerosmith, right. but um, whatever the band was. And uh, don't even remember what the shirt was he gave him, but gives him a shirt. 
and they're sitting there and they're at the concert da da the headliner's there and they're playing and one of uh brian's buddies taps him and goes did you wear your aerosmith shirt here today and he goes yeah i traded a guy for it he goes is it the drummer it was the drummer no from way. What, whoever the band was wearing his leg <laughs> and brian's like that's my shirt wow yeah that's awesome had no idea who he was but the guy up there on there was wearing wearing his aerosmith shirt that's, well, that's why he wanted it so yeah nice. no you don't you don't wear it Thank but you. i will say i do still have my uh abracadabra steve miller hey. shirt absolutely i am gonna so we've got a band coming in here it's a steve miller tribute i saw that's uh advertised for yep. september yep. Right? Yeah, yeah yeah coming up yes yeah. one of scott Allowell's bands so he uh that's a steve miller tribute they do a really Wait, good one as in hotter than hell yeah scott that's yeah that's him wow he's in like how many cover bands I don't know. three or four uh uh almost kiss yep um he's got a sticks one now okay um, which I'm looking forward to. I haven't heard that one yet. Um, That's awesome. He's got the Steve Miller, a John Cougar, Doobie Brothers. Yeah, yeah. The Very Kiss cool. one was my first. One. I've got a great picture of of all of them um, up in the up in the green room with all in full makeup. Nice. And uh, yeah, standing in front of him, we're all wearing. I our think I knew him t-shirt. for knew of him for knew him for two or three years and heard of him for six before I. Found him. out what his name was. Really? Know, or, or oh, yeah. Because he's always, yeah. Yeah, he always almost Gene yeah. or something like that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 So, so he's, yeah. Aztec Theater, um, I'm assuming we, sh- we should give shouts out to the team that is in place making things happen your staff, your yeah, partners. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You've got a pretty healthy calendar it, from mm-hmm. my perspective uh, to, to sort of close out the year yep. uh, with maybe just one or two January spots uh, that appear on the website. Mm-hmm. Um, business as usual for 2024. Is there, I mean, I know you mentioned you're ta- you're, you know, conjuring some energy to do something diff- different seating right. wise, but uh, yeah, are, still, still doing a lot of the same things, uh, trying to get some new bands in here. Um, getting a little bit more out of our normal realm every once in a while. Um, we've got, uh, we've got a bluegrass band coming in from cool. Colorado. That's, uh, we'll be here into September, uh, Earl Nelson and the company. Okay. They had some ties here to Shawnee, but they play out of, out of, uh, Colorado, um, contacted me and said, Hey, we'd like to play, set up a deal. Um, They've got a, they knew some guys from Transport Brewery, the brewery next door. They, cool. uh, um, we've got an after party going on for that. They've got a special beer labeled for them. Nice. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, the, uh, um, I just talked to the guy from the True Tones. Hopefully that's probably going to be in 2024 just because I don't have um, much room for him. I've got a, um, a small group that has been wanting to perform in here, I guess, and it's performed for years. Uh, it's a doctor and an attorney, and then they just brought in somebody else. It's called Columbia Blue. They're uh, kind of a James Taylor kind of a vibe. Okay. And I've, I've heard some of their stuff. They'll be in, they're here the night before Earl Nelson. Um, I'm trying to think. And of course, we show movies and stuff yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, we just showed Captain Blood last week. Nice. The old Errol Flynn one. Actually, pretty good flick. You know, some of those old ones are kind of quirky and fun just because yeah. they're old yeah actually pretty good movie nice i didn't get to see the whole thing but what i saw i'm like wow this is actually somewhat intriguing for a good. 1934 35 movie it's pretty good um 
uh, some more movies. Um, uh, working with a guy, actually a guy from Germany that, um, does these West Germany. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he's West or East. He was on Gorby Chops. Right, I don't know. Right. But, um, um, but they, uh, he does like film festival type things. Mm. Um, trying to figure out if we want to fill some dates in October just to have some, some fun horror movie sure. things. So trying to work with him. Um, the, uh, uh, just trying to expand out, do a little bit, a uh, little bit differently, but yeah, definitely keep our core cool fundamental kind of fun so, groups. And, uh, I mentioned the, the Twitter account. Um, I'm pretty sure I saw a link to a Facebook page on your yep. website, which again is, um, Aztec Shawnee theater. Theater. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, com and Aztec Shawnee okay. And then the Facebook is Aztec Shawnee theater. So uh, same with Instagram as well. Best way to keep, Oh, you have an Instagram as yeah, well. Okay. Instagram so Facebook, well. Instagram, Twitter, yep. uh, is one of those, uh, platforms, the best way to keep finger on the pulse or is there a, a Facebook, newsletter? Facebook and Instagram are, okay. uh, we send out a email blast. Um, currently we're using Eventbrite for our ticketing platform. Okay. So I can shoot through there. So if they want to add their email to that, they can just send it to me at, you know, it's Jeff C. But if you go to the web page, there is a spot to sign up to be on that email blast. Uh, I believe so. Which, yes. w- which would keep you in the yeah, loop you in of the loop. what's happening. Yep. Movie yeah. and, and the wise. And the website has all of the concerts that are coming up to click on them. goes right to the right. ticketing. I'm looking at some different ticketing options. Okay. Um, we, we currently pass along the, the fees, which Eventbrite is really pretty cheap, mm. but I think there's some other ones out there. I, I really want, um, our patrons, the people that are buying the tickets not to have to absorb so much right. fees. And I, I just, I'm looking at one in particular right now that I think is a pretty good fit where it's cheap, where we can say, here's how much the ticket is. We'll take care of all the right. fees, you know, cause right. it's just kind of nice that way. But, but yeah, you can go to the website. Uh, you can find all of our, uh, all of our concerts, all of what's going on. And we do private events in here. We right. Had, um, two private events. We had a, I, I told you, we had a, a podcast, the ghost runners guys were in here and actually filmed a live, uh, full production podcast, uh, in here. Cool. Which was kind of cool. And, uh, maybe, yeah, <laughs> you know what, if you have, if you have enough followers, it's, um, right. it was, it was, it was kind of interesting how. You know, they, they kind of interact with the audience, but they talked amongst themselves sure. and they, you know, and all that. So, sure. yeah, a little bit different format. I don't yeah. know how well it works. I want to check them out and see yeah. what they're all about. Yeah, but, they're good. A uh, couple of Shawnee guys, so I always love that. So, yeah. So we're all big about community and, and we try to have concerts every Friday and Saturday. It doesn't always work out, mm. but if we do that, you know, like I said, when we first got the theater when we first I mean we knew there were a couple of people waiting to see if we got it and if they did then we'd start building here so um you know transport was one of the transport brewery was one of the first ones they actually opened before we did mm. um but um there was a lot of fun businesses that were down here before but since um we opened um the uh transport brewery is now down here service brewery down the street when the other ones friction beer just opened a couple of months ago okay another brewery um drastic measures um which is a kind of a speakeasy Mm. jay and those guys are they in the jackwards they do really good wild child which is a kind of a wine bar it's got some low abv and and uh 
things that's down here, McLean's Bakery, yep. and, uh, Dully down there, District Poorhouse moved in. Right. Um, Mother Clucker's down the street, which is like a Nashville chicken place. It's fantastic. I love nice. that place. Um, the, the couple of other restaurants, and there's, and there's still more on the way. There's a new French restaurant supposedly going in. Wow. Um, Go, Shawnee. Uh, and uh, Anadora's Chocolates, the gelato shop over here. Yeah. So, so it's 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 there's a lot of things going on. So Fridays and Saturdays, a lot of movement, a lot of pedestrian traffic, and and uh, we we love having a, a draw down here yeah. that people can come down and you know see a movie or or catch a concert yeah. and do it. Yeah, we've got some big things coming up. Love it. Yeah. Listen, um, I really appreciate uh, all of our correspondence, uh, our phone call, our email message exchanges. Yeah. Uh, obviously, this. Uh, it's just really been nice to uh, get to know you and, and chat Thanks. with you. You too. I you appreciate too. Is- appreciate you doing taking the time uh, to sit with me and do this, and and thank you for inviting me uh, yeah. here to. Well, do it. and I, I appreciate you coming down too. Yeah. I mean, it's a I know it's a bit of a bit of a task to 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 go remote and uh, do it that way. I know you said you kind of. You know, but I, I, you can see from the equipment and all the, the setup time, it's just, it's a little bit of a hassle. So I really do appreciate it it's coming in here. I love people being in my space. Yeah. It's just I'm, I'm one glad, of those things. I'm and I, and I love the podcast. Way. It's just, and uh, I usually tell people when, um, especially when we were talking about the theater and, and talk about these kind of things in general, I, I usually tell them, you are the one that need to tell me to stop talking because <laughs> I'll keep going. <laughs> And it's, and it's, it is, it's, it's just an odd thing. It's just, I'm just passionate about it. So well, it's and when good it comes to, to music, when, when you said something about that, I thought, oh man, I'm, I'm all in on this. Right. This is just going to be fun. So I, I do appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Thank Talk you. To you soon. All right. Thanks.